Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 262 of the Big Show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday. We're almost there, folks. Happy Thanksgiving to my American listeners, and uh, long weekend for them, and uh, weekend coming up for everyone else, and uh, yeah, how are you guys doing? Thank you very much for tuning in. Got a very special guest for you guys today, the man they call PL3, bad dude, man. Pierre-Luc LeBlanc was nice enough to uh, sit down with me and uh, the other night, and uh, we recorded, and as you can see by the timestamp, we went a long time, almost three hours. And uh, we cover his entire career, and uh, it was great. Told some great stories, and uh, I really want to thank Pierre again for coming on the show. Hopefully it's not the last time he comes on the show. And um, I know it's long, and so my my intro here is not going to be long. Um, I debated putting this into two parts, but I just kind of figured, ah, it's a long weekend stuff, and man, whatever. And it's not like somebody you don't have to listen to it all at one time, right? So... Um, yeah, so I kind of was gonna break it up, and I asked a few people, and they're like, "Ah, just play it, man." So yeah, let's let's go for it. We're gonna. It's been a while since I've done a real uh, a real warm warm piece type length uh, uh, show, so we'll, we'll we'll jump back in the saddle. I've had a few long ones at three hours before, but it's been a while. So, uh, but I really enjoyed this uh, this interview, Pierre. Like I said, Pierre was great, gracious with his time, and I can't thank him enough for coming on. Um, Other than that, like I said, people aren't tuning in to listen to me, uh, so I'm not going to talk long today. The only thing I'll tell you is Five for Fighting podcast with Alec. Uh, He's got an episode coming out. It's a Kerry Toporowski special. Um, Actually, I'm on it. He asked me, we talk about Kerry's junior career. Uh, But then Jay from Iowa talks about the Quad City days. Uh, I believe he has Mark uh, Mark McFarland's on. I want to say there's another player on it. His name has escaped me at the moment. 
but it's a collaborative thing and it's just a different time at different times in Carrie's career that we're, we have different guests on. So, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, well, I had fun talking to Alec as I always do. And I, I think the episode will be cool. Um, I'm looking forward to that coming out. Uh, also YouTube five for fighting YouTube channel, uh, YouTube shut down his old channel. So he started a new one. Let's get his subscribers back up. Hit that subscribe button. He's loading up some, he's getting all oh, folks. He's getting videos from fans from all over the place and you're not going to see it. It's East coast league footage folks. You're not going to see it from anywhere else or anywhere else. And, uh, Alec's YouTube channel is the place to find it. And he's put up some, some dandies the last couple of weeks. The East coast league, the kids that come out swinging this year, uh, Travis Howe is just looking dominant so yes definitely check out the youtube channel while you're on youtube bounce on over to the fourth line voice i have 2500 videos or whatever on there uh yeah just hit the subscribe button and uh, go down that rabbit hole you'll find something you're looking you'll that you'll dig um and also if you're on social media why but if you are (laughs) i kid but uh yeah, check me out, uh, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. Give me a follow. I'm always putting up pictures and videos and all that type of thing. So, And just some banter back and forth. And if you're not on social media and for whatever reason you want to get a hold of me or send me a comment, good, bad, or otherwise, uh, Hockey Fights, all one word, HockeyFights at Hotmail.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. And, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, oh, if you're new to the program or you're tuning in because you're a fan of Pierre Luke and it's the first time you listen to the show, welcome. Thank you. I please encourage you to check out my back catalog. I've interviewed John, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Brad Wingfeld, uh, Joey Tedarenko, on and on. Uh, definitely. So I encourage you to check that all out. Um, I do this show twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. And, uh, yeah, I hope you, co- I hope you enjoy this and I hope you come back and, and, uh, Check out more more episodes in the future, and uh, and like I always say to everybody out there, I know there's uh, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, hockey podcasts it seems out there these days. So the fact that you chose to listen to mine, I greatly appreciate it. So, and uh, the only last thing I ask is whatever platform you're listening to this on, could you rate and review my show because it helps me out in the searches. And I always say whatever podcast you're listening to and whatever genre it happens to be, um, yeah, rate the show and review the show because. Uh, as a creator, that helps us out greatly. And uh, and also it helps us with analytic numbers and you can see what's doing what and where and all that type of thing. So, no, it's just, uh, it is greatly appreciated, believe me. And as I always say, please download, do not stream. That also helps out the, uh, the creator as well because, as I said, we can see who's all listening and everything else. So, uh, so I'll shut up now. Let's get into this. Uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Pierre-Luc LeBlanc. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to everybody on Sunday. Thanks, guys. All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, i got a special guest for you guys tonight. None other than the man they call PL3, Pierre-Luc LeBlanc. Pierre, how are you doing tonight? What's up, buddy? I'm good. Thank you, Darren. Hey, well, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, like I was telling you before we got going, you know, I kind of like to, uh, you know, uh, timeline the player's career and we'll kind of go through your, the, the different uh, time periods in your, from junior through the American League to the NHL and that type of thing. But uh, like everything, or of course, we got to start at the beginning. Uh, where were you born and raised and where did you play your minor hockey? 
born in Levy, right across the the river from Quebec City here. Uh, so I grew up a Nordic fan. Um, I played my minor league, my minor hockey, always in my hometown. Um, never traveled, never played double A AA or triple A. Uh, I know it's surprising with you know how skilled I was when I played pro, but uh, no, I was <laughs> I was a third third level kind of guy, uh, you know, triple A, double A, double B back home. I was always double B playing with my buddies and uh, you know just just having fun playing the game, man. Well, it's uh, when you were growing up, of course, being in Quebec. Uh, I know there's the there's the worldwide famous Quebec Pee Wee tournament. Uh, oh, buddy, yeah. Did you play in that? Oh, man, best event ever. Okay, if you want to start there, like, this is where I fell in love with the game, 100%. And um, I went twice. I went my, my you know, my both years. And I'll tell you a story about that. Do we have time for a story? Oh, plenty of time. <laughs> I, I started um, my first year. So first year Pee-wee, Pee-wee Double B again. And um, we played a game we lost and that was over, right? Then you go to the loser's bracket, which is at the other rink. Um, my second year where I was a, you know, veteran, second year guy, our first game, was the game before, you know, every year they had the Canadian versus Nordic game. It was always the opening game, and it was always, you know, and probably not the sellout, but it was always 15,000, 16,000 people. So we are the game right before the official opening, and we're playing St. Louis. St. Louis has a kid uh, named Stashney on the team. All right, Paul Stashney was playing against us. So Peter Stashney, who's a, who's a legend in Quebec City, is doing the official face stuff. So the the barn was packed. Like, it was packed right before we stepped on the ice. So we played in front of maybe like 14,000, 15,000 people. Um, that was my saying. For a guy who's like, it's my hometown, man. It was unbelievable. And I tell people all the time, like, I, I've been there, done that, right? NHL, minors, everywhere. I have more good memories of my Pee Wee tournament years than I do from playing in the NHL. Like, and, I, and again, I don't know if all those memories are still good because my brain's been hit a few times, but every time that I get asked, like the Pee Wee tournament was the way to go. And I still coach. I bring a team uh, with a good friend of mine in Albany here. Uh, we bring a, a team every year, the Adirondack Junior Wings. Um, and it's and I'm coaching it, and it's just it's just the same thing. It's the best memories, and I love watching the kids' face when they step on the ice. And you know, it was it was uh, it, it's it's really dear to me, man. That tournament is great. Well, and like you said, to, and like at that age, you're young, you're there with your boys, all your friends, your school friends, and it's like you step on that ice, and especially like you said, in front of a crowd like that, and you're the hometown guys. Oh man, what a what a rush that would have been, especially at a young age too. That would have been something, man. No wonder you could still remember it. Absolutely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you missed school. That was the best part, right? Exactly. You missed school for yeah. a day. <laughs> Just um, the best. I miss I miss that stuff so bad. Well, like you said, you growing up, you were never kind of the big AAA guy and all that. And of course, I mean, you're like you said, you're growing up in Quebec, which is just. Well, it's Canada, right? So it's hockey mad. I mean, everyone's playing everywhere. Um, when I, like, I heard, like, you were a boxer, right? Before you got into, yeah. like, yeah. How did you get involved in the boxing? And, uh, and I mean, obviously that helped you into junior, but, uh, what was your boxing, uh, how did that all come about? Oh, buddy, my, um, a good friend of mine, uh, we were, I want to say, we were 15. And uh, Jean-Michel, a friend of mine, 
we're, we're eating lunch and he's, uh, at, you know, at school and he's like, here's the new gym. And he was a little, I want to say he was a shyer kid, you know, he was not really outgoing. And he's like, there's a new gym that just opened and I really would like to try boxing. If you, do you want to come with me? Like, sure, man, I'll, I'll support you. And I had never been in a fight. I was no interest with fighting. UFC didn't exist back then. Like I was watching Mike Tyson on the, you know, on TV, like everybody else, but that was it, you know? And, so I went with Mike, and uh, the, the the gym was in the basement of a house. And one of those old, I, and it was not dirt, but, like, picture, like, going down the stairs, dirt basement, no windows, to the middle of the winter, so it's dark. It's pitch black. There's spots. You, you can see and you can see the, 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 the sweat coming off people. It's the, the smell is unbelievable. Like, you, you smell the leather from the gloves, and, you know, the coaches – very nice, very welcoming. He's like, "What are you guys doing? You want to, you want to try?" And we're like, "Yeah, let's go!" And he gives us our, our, our wraps, and he gives us gloves, and we start going at it. And and by the time I left, probably like three or four hours later, I was absolutely hooked, and so was my buddy. So we kept going, and and you know, it was uh, three weeks later where where you know we had to sign up because the, the the coach was like, "You don't need to sign up, just keep coming." And when we decided to make it official. Um, he, uh, I basically went to my parents. I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to start boxing. Like they didn't know about it. Right. And they were like, no, you're not going to box. You're not a fighter. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, I don't want to fight. I just want to train. You know, I love the training. I want to be in shape and this and that. And, um, so my parents basically, like, they, they're like, okay, but you're never going to fight. I was like, sure. <laughs> so, Sure enough, two, three months go by, and, and I'm getting pretty good at this thing, right? And uh, my buddy's still coming with us, and I am sparring now. After a month or two, I'm starting to spar. And the coach is like, Pierre, you're, you're kind of plateauing. If you really want to get better, which I wanted to, he's like, you're going to have to get in some fight. Do you want to try fighting? And I'm like, no hesitation, right? I'm like, absolutely, let's, let's go. So he's like, well, take this sheet with you. And because I was 15 or 16 by then, he's like, you, you got to have your dad sign a waiver that, you know, you're going to be able to fight and this and that. So dude, I'll never forget that. I sat down at the dining room table. My mom's across. My brother and my sister are out of the house by then. I think they were both uh, studying outside. So I'm like a, a, their own kid, right? And I gave the sheet to my dad. I'm like, Dad, I need your signature on that. And he's obviously, my dad's old school, so he reads the paper. If my kid gave me that, I feel like I would just sign it and go kind of thing. <laughs> so my dad reads it, and he's basically like, you're, you want me to sign your, your life away, right? That's what you're asking me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even read the paper. And um, so, yeah, it was there was a waiver for boxing, and my dad was crying at the table. I, I'll never forget that. He, he didn't even cry, but it's, he was tearing up. He was like, "That's not how I raised you. Like, you're not a fighter. You're you're gonna you're not gonna use violence." Like, it was such a shock for him. And and so so I was like, "Okay, I back off." But I kept training for two years until I turned eighteen. Like, I never asked him again because, again, like you see your dad in that. It, with all those emotions, like, I'm not going to put him through this again. So I waited until I turned 18. Um, and then I started, you know, fighting for, you know, in, in the ring. So my, my boxing career was really like a lot of sparring, a lot of practice. And when I turned 18, I got four fights into me. And then 
my third fight, I had a scout from Baker Mo in the stands. He came to me and, and pictured this man. You're you're like by the ring, get like in a in a it's a hockey rink, right in the middle of summer in June, and I'm getting my my coach is, is taping my gloves on and he's trying to get me in the zone, right? And I have that guy over his shoulder, right? He's like trying to catch my attention in the locker room, and he, he I finally look at him like, "What's going on, buddy?" And he's like, "He's like, are you are you the the hockey player?" And I'm like. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, right now I look like a boxer, don't I, right? So he's like, uh, you know, you're the hockey player. So, hey, if you win your fight tonight, we're going to invite you to our training camp. Like, like it's all French, but the guy had a broken French conversation, dude. Like, it was not, like, very fluent. I was like, what the hell's going on here? So, you know, I go out there and I win my fight. And after the fight, he comes back and he's like, good job. Do you want to come to camp? And I'm like, I, I don't know. What are you talking about? Like, give me a call tomorrow. I'm I'm busy, you know, being happy here. So we ended up talking and I got invited to camp. And, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. You know, I had one more fight after that. Um, back then it was the Canadian champion, junior Canadian champion, under 18 kind of thing. And um, I fought him twice, my last two fights, and I won both fights. One at home, one on, at his ring in St. Saint. So that was my boxing career, man, from beginning to end. You know what? That's pretty cool. Yeah, you know what would really be interesting? I mean, you talk about the road not traveled. Imagine if your dad had signed the permission slip. Uh, but like, I would, would you have I, been a boxer and never played hockey? There's a very good chance, dude. I... I love boxing like i was i was into every sport as a kid right and there's nothing that i ever liked or enjoyed or felt better at than in a boxing ring and i and i'm not a cocky guy i will tell you i was probably the least tough guy in the nhl when i played like i was probably a bottom guy but at boxing i was very good very talented and i was so passionate that I, I could have achieved a lot of things, and, and but yeah, and maybe I would, I could have been then after eight fights too. I you never know, right? Yeah. So now I, I think what my dad did for me meant a lot, and I am a dad now, and I, I understand why and how he felt. You know, um, I'm zero mad at him. There's no, I've never questioned questioned his decision. Like it, it's just like. That's how it was, and I respected my dad and his decision. But you're right, man. If he if he signs that paper, who knows? Like I, I not that I was going to be as good as her, but um, Ariane in my gym became world champion. We started at the same time. She was a lefty boxer, um, though she could hit like a ton of brick. And we were sparring. She was one year older than me. Um, we started like right at the same time and we had so many good girls in my group. Um, she went to the Olympics. Like she, she was an absolute stud. Like it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and I, that was my boxing partner, man. Like I, when I left for, for juniors and I was done boxing, it kind of broke my heart and I, but I kept cheering for them. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive to, to watch them go, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and now it's interesting. So, of course, Bay Como, yeah, like you said, they invite you to camp. And like you said, you've yeah. been kind of like a double-A guy. You're not really a triple-A guy. Like, were you thinking major, like major junior couldn't have been in your head at all at that point? No, never. No, no. When I when I was invited, buddy, I, I, I went, 
you know, I thought I was a good hockey player, right? right? I didn't know what to expect because I never even went to a camp at AAA level. I had no idea how skilled those guys were. And I've, I don't know, whoever has been to Bacomo will get this story. When you drive, right, and I'm going to camp, but when you drive to Bacomo, and if you look on the map in Tadoussac, the road ends. You have to get on a boat, and on, it's like a, a five-minute ferry, right, across the river. Yep. And then you get back on the road, and you drive another two hours. So so it's about five hours from Quebec City, three hours in. You get on a boat, and then you, you get back on the road for two, right? So I'm driving. I'm following the scout, and I'm following like six or seven players from Quebec City all going to the camp at the same time. And we get on that boat, man, and the scout comes to me. And at this point, I'm like, I'm going to play hockey. Right, I'm going to a hockey camp. <laughs> as soon as I got on that boat, stepped out, and the, the scout came to me, and he's like, Pierre, come here. I'm like, what's up? He's like, um, you know why you're coming to Bekamo, right? I'm like, well, that's a stupid question, dude. It's a hockey camp. He's like, yeah, but Bekamo fans, they really like the fighting, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I got it. Like, if I have to fight, I'll fight. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, they're expecting you to fight. Like, you're going to have to fight a lot. And I'm like, I'm, I'm on that stupid boat where I'm like, fuck, right? There's no, there's no going back now. Right? I'm like, I can't turn around and just drive back. I'm in the middle of the water when this conversation happened. So, obviously, I'm not going to flake out. So, I, I got back in my car. The, the next two hours were stressful because I was like, fuck, I guess I'm going to have to fight those guys, you know? And the year before me was Marc-Andre Roy, who I think he had 500 pins in, in the queue that year. And he was Six, the top of that. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> 600? Yeah. Yeah, dude, unreal. So, if I was following that fucking guy, right? Yeah. Obviously, I've, and I've never been in a hockey fight. So my first six, seven, eight fights, I got my ass kicked um, to the point where, and I was just telling a buddy that story <laughs> last week golfing. It got to a point where my brother came to see me and she to me. I got in a fight in, in training camp, last game of training camp, and my face was puffed out. Again, my dad was tearing up because he's like, that's not my son. What the fuck, right? And um, my brother came to me and he's like, buddy, He's like, you're going to have to figure this shit out, like, fast, because you're not going to survive. And I was like, oh, dude, like, tell me about it. So my brother really pushed me to, like, I was trying so hard, but he's like, like, stop trying. Just fucking do it. Like, start fucking fighting instead of just trying to figure out. Like, boxing. You know, boxing, you have time. You have rounds. You have three rounds of two minutes, and, and you know, you have time to figure stuff out and take a couple and then defend yourself. Hockey fights, man. It gets it happens so fast. It's like just just do it. And I that that's when it, I started understanding and asking asking other guys to help me out. And you know, and that that that's how it really started for me in Baycomo. Well, on Baycomo, of course, you had a little help there. I mean, you had uh, you know Alex Labarche was there, but you also yeah Ryan Hand was there. My man, absolutely. Yep. RJ, RJ, yeah. do you know? Have you had him on the show? No, I've talked to him a couple of times. I've tried to get him on the show a few times. You've got to make it work. But I've talked to him privately a couple of times, yeah. But I remember, yeah, watching him in the LNAH guy. and stuff. And he's a bad yeah. dude, man. Yeah, yeah. My uh, So he took all the tough guys from me. All, uh, every time I moved up in hockey and even when I started, I always had a guy who made the path for me, right? Gave me a chance to get comfortable. And in juniors, it was RJ, no question about it. 
he was he was tough. He was uh, he, dude, he never backed down. Fought all the heavies, and I was left with the number two. Everybody had two or three of these, right? Oh yeah. But I didn't have to fight the John Trombley, the 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 Davis, the man, not name him, like whoever was in juniors. He was taking them all, and I was just cruising right behind him and figuring things out. So for the first 20, probably my first 20 fights, I, I don't think I had a number one heavy heavyweight guy until the end of the season where I was like, all right, I can, I can do this now. So yeah, it took, uh, it took a guy like him to, to give me space. So that was huge. Well, I know I looked up your, I had your fight. I have your fight card right in front of me here. And uh, yeah, it's 62 games. You had 32 fights that year in your first year. So I mean, uh, you know, they can't say you, you weren't doing it, but, uh, yeah, like you said, some of the names that were in the league, and I know you fought them in the preseason that year, and then you fought them like three more times, um, was Cody Doucette. Let me pull that up, man. I got a, I got in from Cody Doucette. Yep. But Cody was a number two. They had, uh, dude, who was the tough guy? Tidball, Brandon Tidball. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, the second year that, well, we'll get to him in a second. Um, but yeah. you did actually fight Trombley the first year and George Davis. Um, another guy that yeah. kind of comes up through, throughout the years with you is Jimmy Bonu. Yeah. So, so listen, Jimmy was, that's towards the end of the year though. Jimmy yeah. was, uh, local. He was from Bécamon. Um, and funny enough, I was dating a girl who was best friends with him. Okay, like growing up, Jimmy, every, everybody was, would tell you in Bacomo, Jimmy was the guy that was never getting in fights. Just kind of like the same story as me. Like he was a nice guy and he was friends with everybody. And, uh, yeah, when he came in town, he, he needed a fight. <laughs> so that was it. I was, uh, I was the lucky winner that day. Um, but I saw Jimmy. He was a tough guy. John Trombley literally grabbed me. Um, he, he, he grabbed me top circle and I think I, I don't think I got back on my feet because he was dragging me right from top circle and RN probably till in front all the way to the other blue line right like he, dra- he was dragging me feeding me left like the whole time dude he was throwing and throwing and throwing and I couldn't stand up I was a boxer I had no balance I was on my toes and he would pull me down and he was 245 I probably weighed a buck 90 at the time because I was trying to stay lean for boxing um no it was not a good fight it was uh that's one that I remember and it, it actually helped me that fight learn a lot about myself and when I fought him again in the UHL two years later um yeah I can we can talk about that after but that was a scary that was a scary fight and I uh you know I, I all I could think about the week before and you and I were talking about that like young guys fighting in juniors and stuff yeah I had I had a, a couple like maybe four or five nights in a row where I, I don't think I slept at all because I knew John Trombley was coming in town and that was a scary thought some scary thoughts there well that's the thing and of course you know back then of course there was no you know, like internet TV, so you didn't really see like being out west here in Saskatchewan. Of course, we never saw the Q guys. I only just yeah. heard about the two names that I heard about that were kind of like whatever air quote kingpins of the league were Trombley and Kevin Cormier. Kevin, yeah, yeah. Who you fought? Kevin the second was a big boy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Those are. Tough memories. Why are you bringing me back there, man? Well, we'll get to, to the that. positives here, too. 
Yeah, it's the ups and, I'm trying to show the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, we're talking about downs right now. Eh? Kevin was uh, was the same dude. He was the same body shape as Chambly, like six four, two forty, and just so strong. And, and they were mean fighters, man. They wouldn't. There was no quitting, no stopping in those guys. No, you know. And and it's uh, yeah. But I ended up playing with Kevin. Uh, yep. in, in the American League. And uh, what a great guy, dude. He was awesome to work with. I really liked him. <laughs> so, like you said, as the yeah. first year, like you said, the first you know 20 or so fights is pretty rough. But <clears throat> I've also got to think, though, like you said, with your boxing, at some point, I mean, obviously, as you went on, you put it all together. But when did it start? Like, because obviously you can throw both hands. You have power because you you've been boxing, so you know the punch. You know you know how to take it and all that stuff. When did it all sort of come together for you, like in terms of hockey, like uh, like because I, I always talk to guys and they always talk, like, especially guys that their first couple fights or their first year or whatever, everything seems to be in uh, high speed and they sort of just spaz out in the fight and it's like you know black when they're swinging right. But they said as you get more used to it and get into it, everything sort of slows down. You can start thinking about what you want to do and you, you know, you sort of gain your composure. When did that happen for you? Or was that years? You know what? I'm not sure um, when that happened. And 100% it was in my first year. No question about it. Um, What I'm thinking is, is, and, and I'm not sure where I was in the season, but the day I realized that it was hard to fight a lefty, that's where I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to fight lefty. And as soon as I started going lefty, dude, the 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 the, the attitude of the guy in front of you, right? Like, he, I'm I'm a big like mental guy. When so when I go into a fight and I watch the guy in front of me and he's like, yeah, let's go, I'm like, oh fuck, right? That's gonna hurt. But if I'm if I went lefty, then now that like let's go guy in front of me, now he turns into like oh shit, right? So now I could tell that I had him right away. Even if I didn't throw a punch, I, even if I was just bitch slapping the guy with my left hand because I couldn't throw, the guy was in his head, and I knew I had him. So as soon as I start doing that in juniors, my first year, and I, I all, it was all I don't know if it was in their eyes or their face. I, I knew when I had the guy. And sometimes if you watch my fight, you'll see me outside righty. And then, especially in junior, then I'll, I'll square off lefty. And if it, like, if it worked, if I could read that the guy was scared or wondering what to do, I would stay there. But if it didn't work out, I would switch right back because I was scared now. You know, like it was, I can watch my fight and I can tell you right away. If we're watching one together, I, I go lefty. I'm like, oh boy, it didn't work, and I go back to writing because I want to protect myself. But that's always how it was, and 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 I sometimes I would do it in a fight if I if I was not in control, I would just switch because then the guy was like, oh shit, and it would back off. Like that was more of a defensive thing for me. It was to get the the edge on the guys. But then it's as you know, like throwing punches lefty or, or taking punches from a lefty. It's super, it's very different than from a righty. Like you don't have your shoulder pad to protect you. You don't have your elbow. So if I was throwing left, I, I would, I would either connect or, or the guy would dodge. And when he's dodging, I know there's no punch coming back. Right. Like the Cam Jensen thing where, where you throw a right and J- Jenny would throw over the top. Well, you know, that's not happening when I was throwing left. If the guy dodges, I know I'm safe. Like I, I, 
and I was a big defense guy, so I, I, I was in control of the fight. Even if I was not connecting, I was in control. And that, that's, that's where I started winning fights when I realized that just switching, by switching lefty, man, like I, half the guys would be freaking out. You know, it didn't matter who they were. Like, they were like, oh, geez, I was not ready for that. But, so, like, that's were you, what it really took for me. Were you, a, like, were you a big video guy? Like, did you watch a lot of guys on video? Or did you watch a lot of yourself on video? Big time. Yeah? Big time. No, no I, I, I started looking guys on hockey fights and dropyourgloves.com. Um, I would scout their habits, you know. And, and I, when I was in juniors, I would do it the night before the game. And that was my biggest mistake because I would go to bed after watching, you know, Jimmy Bono beat the shit out of five guys. Like, literally, I was like, fuck, right? Because I wouldn't see it. You know, but then when I turned pro, I would do the same thing, but the day of the game. So I would nap, I would get up 20 minutes earlier and then scout the guy. So, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, um, uh, the Rangers and, and Brashears in the lineup. Like, so I would watch those fights right before and then I was like, okay, this is how he fights. Um, he, he likes to get in tight, he likes to wrestle. So I, I was ready for it. I, and I would watch four or five fights and always the last four or five. And then I got to a point where I would, you know, there, I knew who was fighting like me. So Cam Jensen, for example, I, I, I basically built my fighting style around him, right? By watching him, like we fight a lot the same way, right? Yeah. Or I fight the same way he was. So I would watch if I was going to play Jody Shelley, I would watch Jenny and Shelley and see how it worked out. And if Jenny got his ass kicked, cause it didn't work out well, then I knew I would have to do something else. So maybe I'll go lefty that day. So yeah, I, fighting videos were huge for me. They they helped me a ton. And whoever was uploading them, if they were not uploaded the next day, I was pissed off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I needed to watch them, man, every time. Did you like you said? Well, I mean, we'll get back to your junior here in a sec. But just to go off what you were just saying there, like in, in terms of like, you know, like you said, you you'd, you'd watch him a junior, you go to bed, kind of psych yourself up or psych yourself out, basically, or whatever, and yeah. that anxiety. Did did that ever get easier for you, like even in pro, or did it was it always there? I it was always there, but yeah, it did get easier. Like I said, I would I would manage it differently. I wouldn't. I knew. I know myself. I know. I know. Don't. I know not where to go. Like I, if I go there, it's hard for me to get back to reality and, and ease off. Right. So so I would get myself amped up or or worried even. Like some days I wanted to be worried like but it would be before the before the game not yeah. before like not not the day before not three days before and and my teammates that really knew me knew that like they I, like we'll talk about that later but like that cam jensen fight like marty brother didn't tell me a week before that you know i was gonna fight jenny in a week like he told me before uh, or after warm-up you know, he came to me. He's like, Pierre, you know, Janie's going to want to fight today. I was like, yeah, I know, man. And he's like, he's going to really come after you. And like, he got me going there. Like, the, to me, that was a good teammate. Right? He didn't talk to me for a week trying to keep me up at night. And like, so um, th- that was the best way for me. Like, to get me amped up, it was right before the game or right after warm up. Like, start telling me what I need to know, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, well, to go back to Bay Como, so you wrap up the season, you know, it's your yeah. first year, 18, you had, th- you know, 32 fights and 62 games. 
Um, well, and then you get drafted that year by the New Jersey Devils in the seventh round. Um, yeah. How did that, uh, like, did you, did you have any sense that that was coming? Had you talked to a bunch of teams or was it kind of out of the blue and like, uh, Dude, I, I was, I was listed fifth overall. You didn't know that. Well, I, I know no. I'm, I'm for the story. <laughs> no, man, I had no idea. I really didn't. I was, uh, I was in Quebec city, uh, probably two weeks before, uh, before draft. And, uh, I got a call from my GM, um, and uh, he Pierre and he's like, Pierre, I was talking to some scouts, and uh, you know, and obviously they know each other. They've, they've known each other forever. And like, your name came up, and you know, New Jersey would like to interview you. And I was like, okay. So he's like, do you need like, do you want me to put you in touch with them? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously. At that point, I was one year in, right? And I, but I was never on any list. I was never talked to. I didn't even have an agent. Right, so um, I went to the draft. My dad rented a, a minivan. We drove to uh, North Carolina, and we got there. It was June twenty fourth, twenty fifth. So June twenty fourth is like fourth of July, or you know, first of July for Quebec. So big party. I stayed up late. You know, and obviously I was not drinking because I was I had physical the next day. But we didn't leave the day before, which we probably should have. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So we leave the day after the, the big party, and we drove 16 hours to South Carolina or North Carolina. So we checked in the rally probably at 11 at night, and at 8, 8 in the morning, I had a, a, a driver in front of the, the hotel, and I was going to do my physical. Um, so we had I had the interview. I had the whole thing. You know, it's probably what everybody does nowadays. And I don't know what they do. I think they, they all do those in advance. But anyway, I was at the the, the university there doing my my running test and the interview process. And uh, so there was the day one and day two was the first day of draft. And I obviously didn't get drafted in first or second round. So day three we went back. Um, and yeah. And, the, the 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 scout was down there and he was just like like telling me it's your name's coming your name's coming and sure enough I I was drafted and my whole family down there with me um, it, it was it was awesome man it was a great great experience I was very very blessed to be part of this um, and to live that and then you know you get back home and nothing's changed you just keep working out and. And, uh, and then you start talking to people and everybody's telling you, well, this fucking draft sucked. There was nobody to be drafted. You know, they drafted LeBlanc. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I guess I got more to prove, right? So that's all it went. <laughs> Did, uh, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, well, after you get drafted, I think that's the, is that the lockout year? Like, did they have camp that that year? No, no camp. Okay, Okay, well, that's, that sucks, but, okay, so you get drafted by New Jersey, obviously, you're, you know, you're flying high, you're drafted by New Jersey, <coughs> pardon me, unfortunately, the strike happens, but you go back to Bay Como as a 19-year-old, how are you feeling at this point, like, you gotta be pretty pumped up, like, are you kind of dead set on, like, I'm gonna be the man this year, or are you still sort of, like, kind of, no. kind of in fantasy no. land no. a little bit? Fantasy land, and I, I did not. I that's one thing about me. I I said it earlier. I, I never thought about myself as I'm the toughest guy in the place ever. Um, if there was an other fighter on my team, I always saw what he did good, and I always 
tried to improve myself and that's probably why i became or you know the fighter i was because i was never satisfied i never thought i did enough i always wanted more 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 and and when i came back that year i honestly i felt like i was different right like i was getting better but rj was still there yep. and he was still fighting the toughest guys and and i thought he played way better than me as a hockey player i was like what the fuck why not him you know, and I, I always had that, that I needed that guy. I needed that guy at that point, right? I needed somebody that was in my corner on my side, helping me out. And I, Mathieu Aubin was another guy on my team that was, you know, a quiet assassin. Like he was such a big man and he was so tough and he was fun to be around. So I had JF Jacques, uh, who played a lot of games in, in, in the NHL and, and he was our captain and he was a tough guy. You know, you said LaMarche earlier. Like I had those guys around me and I needed that. Um, I was never, I never felt like I could take care of business by myself. I always thought it was a team thing and it was team toughness more than like, like dude, I was not Probert. Yeah. You know, you put Probert out there, you can't police the whole league. You know, you put him out there, you, you put a, a guy like Chris Neal, he's a police, you know, like I, I never felt like I was that guy. I always needed my team and I always felt like I could elevate my team and make them tougher. And that's where, that's where the, the beauty of it was not like me as a one person show. I was never that guy. So now to me going back my second year, yeah, I did feel like I was more important to the team. Um, you know, but I, I never felt like I was in control at all. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah well, just look at it. You mentioned his name earlier in the second year, uh, because, uh, and what a character you actually fought him five times this year was like you said, Brandon Tidbull. Um, I got to see him the next year because he actually came out to the West and played in Saskatoon here the following season. Yeah. And we had heard all about his crazy, right. this crazy guy from Quebec and, uh, and of course I had the footage, so I saw him on the tape, but he's a little bastard, man. What was it, what was it like playing against Tidball? He was, uh, so he played in Quebec City, right? Yeah. So, so just like I said earlier, when Jimmy Bono came to Baycomo and he needed a fight, when I was in Quebec City, man, like I needed, I needed to put on a show because I had, I had a ton of friends in the stands. Like, you know, I, my family was there. Like I, I needed to put on a show. So, uh, I fought Cody Doucette a couple of times, I think, and then and then I I switched to Ted Ball because I think I I think I did really good against Cody and um, yeah the next guy in line was was Ted Ball and he he wouldn't back down he was he was a rapid punch kind of guy and it was it was always quick fights against him if I recall correctly but um, yeah he never backed off and never said no. No, he, no, oh, he didn't no. say no. He didn't say no when he was here either. Yeah, he was the no, tough dude. He was the tough one. Yeah. Well, another guy I want to throw a name at you because he fought him three times that year. Once, two, twice in one game. Robin Richards out in Cape Breton. Yeah. 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 Tough kid. Um, it was so fighting him was, was interesting because when, you know, when it's, you asked me when it switched in my head, I think it was him. I think it was it was one of those fights against him where I was like, "Oh shit, I got him!" Right? Like I could feel my punch going through his, his cheeks, and I was like, "Oh, right." And I I got that feeling, and I'm pretty sure that's when it happened. Now that you say, it, like you bring that back up, 
Um, but yeah, there was him, and, and you know another guy that was tough to fight was uh, was Davis, George Davis. I don't know if you guys know about him. It was yep. a draft pick in Phoenix, I think, or Nashville. And talking about RJ Han, man, like so RJ would fight him the first year, and I I'll never forget that. And you can look at those fights; you'll find it. It was it was in Halifax, and RJ is going at Davis, and Davis fucking paused, right? Looked at RJ, and he basically said, punch me, right? He stopped throwing, and he was like, punch me. And, and RJ would throw a bomb, and RJ had big hands, and he, he threw a bomb at him. And, and George just took the fight, took, took the punch, and he was like, do it again, do it again. So he kept going. RJ kept, and, and Davis just took it, basically laughing, making fun of RJ, right? So RJ, the next fight, <laughs> RJ, the next fight, did the same thing, right? He was like, hey. Come on, keep throwing, keep throwing. And the, the other guy connected so freaking hard, split his face open. You can ask RJ about that story. But, like, yeah, we were getting cocky, but, yeah, it, it kind of got back to us. But, we were there, dude, there were some tough guys back in the, in the queue back then. Oh, yeah. Well, one last, one last one I want to hit you with before we move on. And he played a long time pro, and everybody out there listening will know who he was. I was a big fan of this guy. And, uh, and of course, well, we'll talk about Crosby in a second, but he is Crosby's bodyguard with wow. Eric Nielsen. Neither. Yeah. Nothing but the best, man. This, this is one of the guy, you know, like when you look at, you look at guys who played their whole life in the NHL and never won the Stanley Cup. Like to me, the fact that Eric Nielsen never got to play a game in the NHL is just wrong. Like everything he's done, you, you can talk to a thousand guys who played with him and I bet you know, everybody's going to be like smiling because like, he's just that guy. And I got to know him through, not personally, but I got to know him through a good friend of mine, PC Labrie, because uh, they won the, the the Calder Cup together in Norfolk back in the in the American League. And uh, PC will tell you, man, like the reason they won the Cup that year was not that Corey Conacher went ninety points and and all the studs they had on that team, like. They had ups and downs, and they had a guy like Eric Nielsen who would bring the boys together and just make them blue. And and this guy should have played in the NHL. He was a tough motherfucker. He was such a nice guy, a gentleman. He he, he followed the rules. Like he was the code kind of guy. So to me, like if I, if if there's a name on that list that you named by is like that, I, I I feel I don't feel bad for him, but I feel like he should have got. A shot like that's him. He's he's just such a tough guy. He was such a tough guy. Yeah, never was. quit, never backing down. So, yeah, well, yeah. To go to go with yeah, and of course he played in Ramuski, and and they're fortunately yeah. they were in your division, and uh, and and there was a a, a kid uh, from Cole Harbor that people probably know named Sidney Crosby that you played both years against, and of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many you guys would have probably would have played him ten times a year. Um, what was it like at that point playing a sixteen and seventeen year old Sidney Crosby? Who exactly? Who? <laughs> Buddy, it was the first game, uh, preseason game. I, I'm gonna have to look it up. I think he had seven or eight points in his first preseason game. And I think he was not 16. I think, if I recall correctly, I think he was eight and a half years old. <laughs> he was an absolute freaking baby, man. Like, he just came on the ice, 
And back then we had our, we had to, I don't know if they still do, but you had to wear a neck guard. Yep. And it felt like, like Sid's neck guard was really high and his visor was really low and he's got that baby face. And, and I swear to God, he looked like he was 10 years old, man. But he would, he just dummied everybody. You know, it. like I don't need to explain it. I think he had seven or eight points, like one goal, six or seven assists. His first preseason game. And you're right. We played them, you know, two games in preseason and then eight games in the season over two years. So yeah, we played about 20 games. I, yeah, it was not fun. I mean, we, we probably won one or two games. It was, it was painful. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was sellout. It was a sellout every time. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was fun. <laughs> I, I was, they were well, not, I was they were not say, coming to see us, though. They were not coming to see me play. <laughs> well, I, I think it was uh, it was uh, Pierre Luc versus Crosby on the marquee, wasn't it? That's right. That's exactly what it was. Uh, we sold we, him and I. We sold so many tickets. Exactly, Broadway, right there. <laughs> yeah. No, but hey, one one story about him and juniors dangling, and I'm. So there's two guys in my life that I played against that I always remember. Like my job, my mission, okay, that day was to crush that guy. I was going, I, I had tunnel vision. I could only see that guy. And obviously Crosby was one of them, right? But the other guy was when I played Bannon. My first year, Bannon, I played against David DeArna, who uh, played, like he played for a long time in, in, in Montreal, right? And yep. Tough guy, like NHL, NHL, but back then he played against me and he was wearing that red helmet. And dude, I tried so hard to crush him. I played probably six, seven games back then. And I could never hit the fucking guy. But then same thing happens with Crosby, right? I'm like, I'm never, first of all, I shouldn't be on the ice with him, right? I shouldn't be on the ice with against him. So when, when it happens, I mean, I'm not forcing myself to change. I just want to go crush him because that's what I'm, I'm on the ice for. And uh, the one time where I clipped him, dude, he saw me. I don't know if he saw me coming, but it was just that strong. But he put me on my ass, center ice, face to face, and he kept the puck on his freaking stick, and he went and scored a goal. And I, <laughs> I woke, I woke up, I got up, and I was like, "Did that just fucking happen?" I just totally embarrassed myself. Like I, I, I couldn't believe I did that. But yeah, the, the, obviously he was the fucking man. He still is. Um, so. You, you, you want you want the one time that I hit him, you want. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, strong man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, you wrap up your second year junior, so you're 19. Um, obviously, and then this is the year you go to New Jersey Devils training camp. Um, yeah. What was that like to walk in there and, and into an NHL camp and uh, well, like was like Skurlak and all those guys there? Yeah, so my first camp, I'm doing my physical again, another physical story. And the way it was in New Jersey, you walk through as you walk in, you walk through, um, you walk through the gym to go to the changing room, right? That's the old rink, uh, practice rink. And I'm running on the treadmill, and and obviously I knew who was there, I knew their names, but I never met those guys first camp, right? So first guy that walks in is Darren Langdon, and the, the strength coach. You know, he know he knows why I'm there, and he's like, "Oh, that's Darren Nangden." And Darren Nangden was I'm exaggerating, but he's like five eight, 160 pounds, right? One of the toughest guy pound for pound ever. But I'm like, "Oh man, I can take that guy. He's not that bad, right?" The next guy that walks in, Cam Jensen, 
He's 5'10", 5'11", right? He's, he's maybe six foot tall, but he's smaller than me. Like, he's jacked, obviously. He's, like, carrying those suitcases, and he's ripped. And I'm like, ah, okay, not that bad. I can't take that guy. <laughs> the next guy, Mike Scroy. Yeah. Mike Scroy is 6'3", 6'4", shredded. The guy has probably, like, four pounds of fat on his body, right? And he's walking in, tats everywhere. I'm like, oh, shit. The next guy, Rob Skurlak. I'm like, fuck, like, 6'5", 255, probably. I'm, I'm like, no, okay, now I'm not feeling good. <laughs> and I'm, like, somewhere right in the middle. But I got those guys walking in. Um, that was very intimidating. And I, I was the only, I didn't speak a lick of English back then. I had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that, you know, I was, I was there to fight. You know, at least I knew what to expect that time. Well, I think they had, I think Oliwa was there too, wasn't he? Chris Oliwa was there. Yeah, man. Yep. There's another massive monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I, again, I did not feel like I was the man uh, that year. I was just there. That was a punching bag. I was there to, to help them make the team. Well, did you have any fights in camp, though, with any of those guys? No, I did not. I So <laughs> what happened that year is um, the day of the red and white game. So training camp was group A, B, C, and I was in the C group. Um, the NHL guys were split in the A and B groups. Um, so I never – I didn't skate against them. But the day of the red and white game, uh, I was – not playing. It was the group A and group B playing each other. So my parents were in town, so I took them down to New York City, and, you know, the plan was to get back on a train to go back to uh, the rink for the red and white game. So as we're coming back, I'm wearing flip-flops, and um, we're coming up Penn Station in New York City, up the, the, the escalators, and I lost my flip-flop, and I stepped. At, you know how those escalators are pointy? Yeah. Right. The metal, the metal stairs. I literally cut my big toe uh, from one end to the other. Okay. So I'm there's blood everywhere. I'm I have to get on a bus, not on a train, on a bus. They don't want to let me in because I'm bleeding. I'm like fuck off. I'm getting on. I don't speak English. Let me go, go, go. So we make it back to the park and ride, which is right across from the rink. And good thing was that it was a fucking game, so doctors were at the rink. So I run into the rink, and there's, uh, again, blood is dried up by now, right? Because it's been 45 minutes from New York City to New Jersey. I get in there, and that's like day three of training camp, right? And uh, I ended up with 12 stitches under my big toe. Oh. Um, and, and that was my last day of training camp that year. Um, but I had like three or four practices in me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of ruined my shot, right? But, again, everything happens for a reason. I guess they liked what they saw before that. I couldn't skate after that for, like, three weeks because it had to heal, right? Um, so I got my – I still earned a contract, so I guess I did all right. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, you go to Albany. And I know I – I hate to bring up another low, but I know in a game <laughs> against Philly, you fight Josh Gratton. Oh, dude, what the fuck? That's Is that that year? Yeah, it was. Yep. Was that and that then, year? And then you go to Adirondack no. after. Was that that year? Are you, are you sure? Yeah, yeah I think you're right, man. September 29th, 2005. Because then October okay, 29th, September, you fight that, that, Steve McAway in uh, Flint after that. Yeah, so you know what happened? Is training camp was already like the first week of September. 
I got that cut and I didn't skate for like two weeks. And that was probably like my first game or first practice or game after that, that I fought him. It was in Philly, uh, training camp at their, the Philly, uh, practice rink, whatever it's called. And, uh, oh dude, you saw that video. Yeah. He knocked me out. He knocked me down, knocked me out twice. You let me out twice. Yes, so here's did. the story on that. I'll tell you a story. I won't tell you who, who was the leader in that, that locker room, okay? But we're in the locker room. And you know your fighters, so you, you'll understand what's going on. So we're, we're out there and it's, it's me, Cam Jensen, uh, Carpentier, another French guy, and Squire, right? And uh, one of those, uh, other three guys, you know, is calling a meeting. He's like, all right, so the other side, they have, Josh Gratton, Riley Cote, Ben Eager, and another guy, I can't remember who. So the guy who's talking is like, all right, so, so Jenny, you take uh, Riley Cote, he's a lefty, you can handle that. He's like, I'm going to take this guy, and, uh, you know, Carp, you're going to take that guy, or whatever. And then, here, you got Josh Gratton. And I'm like, all right, well, all right, whatever. Again, I don't speak English. I don't know anything about those guys. I never scouted them because I didn't know who was who in the minors, right? And, uh, yeah, sure enough, fucking Grattan grabbed me. I think it was the first punch he threw that buckled me, right? And then I got back up, and he fed me, fed me, fed me, and I went down again. But I thought that was absolute bullshit that I had to fight that guy in my first fight back. <laughs> Dude, like, at least he ended up, he ended up in the NHL all year that year, if I remember correctly. Like, he was the man. The year before, he had like 400 pins. I was going to say, uh, I think you drew the short straw, man. I think they pulled one over on you. Oh, uh, yep, yep. I'm not going to say who it was, but again, who knows, man? Who knows if they sent me to the butcher or if they really thought that I had a shot against them. But, uh, oh, buddy, it was, uh, but again, everything for a reason, man. You know, I, I I recovered from it. In today's game, if this happened, I'm probably sidelined for, you know, eight weeks for concussion. But back then, I don't think they even asked me if I felt okay. They just put me back out there. You know, it's crazy though, right? It is, it is. Well, you end up in actually in the United Hockey League in Adirondack. Um what, what was your, uh, what was your first, because uh, of course now you're, you know, you're away from Quebec for the first, like, to play for the first time, and you're in down in the States. Um, how, how was your time in Adirondack? Uh, I loved it. Of, of all the years that I've played, like 13 or 14 years, the, the half season I played there, um, man, I, I, I feel so thankful. Like, just to go back on what I was saying about, like, RJ Hand and the guys I had in juniors helping me. It was the same thing there because I didn't speak English. I didn't know, you know, how to be a pro. I didn't know when my role was on a team, right? Because I was new in this pro thing. And I had guys on my team that were just such good leaders and they really helped me become who I was as a pro. I wish I spent more time with them. You know, like I, it's good to play in the minors when you're a kid. Like it's good to like be down. Like I don't like how they bring everybody up in the NHL now after eight games in the minors, like I, I feel like you can learn so much. And I really feel like if I played a few more seasons with the group of guys I, I had there, I would have become such a better pro. 
Um, but and we talked about it a few minutes ago um, before your show. Like the 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 guys I had there were were money. They were so nice and so helpful. But yeah. I'll let you ask the next question because I know where you're going with that. Well, we'll get to blue in a, your boy blue in a second here, but I know <laughs> your uh, the coach there was the late Mark Potvin. Did you get along with yeah. him? Yeah, Potsy was the best. I did. I again, I played what like thirty games for him, if that. Yep. I I had a broken hand that year, so I I was getting back skated by him all the time for like three weeks when I broke my hand, maybe four weeks. Like I was, I was just getting back skate. And, and so I spent a lot of one-on-one time with him and it was, it was, uh, yeah, he was a great guy, great coach. I absolutely loved him. The, the, the day that he passed was such a mess. Like nobody understood. Nobody saw it coming. Um, we were all in the locker room when that uh, when we found out, and and, and everybody was like, "Just like this, like what the fuck?" Or Kalamazoo, uh, if I recall correctly, or maybe not. I do. Like, we could have been anywhere else. I can't remember. And uh, yeah, we found out he was, and that was just, yeah. There's no word, man. It was crazy because he, he was good. The boys loved him. Everybody was fighting for him all the time. Everybody was pushing, 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 and you know, it, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, no, very sad story. Um, well, like you said, I mean, when you first get there, like you said, you're, you don't speak English and whatever. But, <coughs> pardon me, but, uh, of course, two of the real vet- veteran guys on the team were Hugo Belanger and Sylvain Cloutier. So that had to be a yeah. big, big help for you, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. When I wish I had spent more time with those guys, like, those are two of the names that I would, yeah. I would, I, I would have thrown at you, but I didn't know if you, if you had those names in front of you. Klutz was, uh, dude, he was, he was such a laid back guy. And, and, and Hugo, Hugo was an absolute legend. And the guy had 120 points in the, the East Coast. Like he, he could score goals like it was nothing. Yep. You know, he was such an unbelievable leader. And, and I would go to dinner with those guys and, and just again, learn to be a pro. Like, how to dress and how to act. And they were, they were always saying thank you and please. And they would show me how to play cards. And, um, you know, there's other guys that were on that team. Like, dude, like Ryan Prentice, like you, you just would talk about Drew Benefield that you said, but, um, Pete Lari, man, there's a guy, there's a guy from that team who is local still. Okay. Pete. And he played for the Danbury Trashers too. And he's here now, and our kids are the same age. Yep. And they are on the same team playing might hockey together. So we're coaching the team together. Dude, like, I'm telling you, I, I, I have so many good memories and everything. Our our trainer back then is, is still local, Tom Murley. Great fucking guy. He's taking care of the boys here, and his kid is in mice with our kids. Like, it's such a weird dynamic here because we're – there's, like, three or four of us still in the area that we see each other all the time. You know, it's it's awesome. I loved it here, man. Playing here was awesome. Adirondack was such a great place to be. Um, the fans are awesome. The rink is perfect. You know, the winter is cold, but the summer is amazing. Um, so, no, I, 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 I ended up in this area for sure. Well, 
of course, in that time in the United League, there was a team, the infamous Danbury Trashers, uh, playing. Yep. And, uh, and you actually had a run in with a, a bunch of their guys in their team. I know you fought Brad Wingfield a number of times, Carlisle Lewis a couple of times, Dave McIsaac. Um, what was it like going into Danbury and facing those guys? Piece of cake. <laughs> they were not that tough. <laughs> Dude, they were, they were, it was a show, man. You'd go in there and you knew you were in for a big one. They, um, they, the one night, again, I told you I had a story for you about Danbury and, and, uh, Blue Benefield, right? Yep. So Blue was, Blue was to me what RJ Hand was in the, in the juniors, right? So he was the number one. He would take all the top guys and then I would take the second guy. So, and you know, when John Mirassi was there, he would fight Blue and I would fight whoever was next, uh, which was Brad Wingfield, which is not a number two in my book. It's still number one, but yeah. long story short, the one game we're playing in, in Danbury and every time I, I always feel like we had the upper end on them. For any reason, okay? And maybe we didn't. It was, maybe it was just a mental thing. But the one game um, you have there, like I'm blanking on the owner's name right now. Oh, Galante. I'm here. Yeah, so Galante, the young guy, is sitting at his desk, and he's got a so, – so what happens is in the warm-up, we take the ice, right? The frostbites go on, and the lights shut off, and, and uh, the trashers don't come on the ice. So we're on the ice. Okay, and skating, and the lights are off, so we all stop, kind of thing, like we stretch. And then the video goes on the Jumbotrons, and it's Galante sitting there with a picture of Blue Benefield on his back, on his board, right, behind him. And he's got his feet on the desk, and he's talking to somebody. We don't know who he's talking to. And he's like, yeah, we're bringing you here because the other team, the Frostbite, they have the toughest guy in the league, and we're sick of losing our fights. And, you know, and I, I'm just like, I can't, it's 20 years ago, so it's not exactly what he was saying, but this, you know, this is the kind of like the, the storyline, right? Yep. So he's like, I'm sick of losing to this fucking guy. And he's like, you know, you, we need you to come here and, and like take care of business for us. Like, are you in for it? And now the camera starts turning around the desk. So now you start to see the guy he's talking to, and the guy is, like, punching his hands like it's fucking WWE, right? And it's Frank the Animal Bios, and he's like, Blue Benefield, I'm coming for you, right? It's like, you, dude, it's like the, the WWE, and I don't speak English. So I'm like, I totally understood what the fuck was going on. And this fucking guy comes on the ice skating, no shoulder pads on, his, his hair is down to his ass. He's like, he, he looks like an absolute machine and he's taking laps by himself. And I'm, I'm on the blue line stretching and I look over to blue and blue's fucking job. I was like down to the ice. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we ended up playing. I don't think they fought that game, but that's how it was going into Danbury. It was always an absolute shit show. They had too many tough guys. It was a battle. We didn't like it, man. It was tough. It was really tough. And that was the year after the lockout. Like the year before that was even tougher from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, quite the, uh, quite the story. Like you said, they got the 18 year old GM and just like, you know, what's going on here? But, uh, oh, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought what they did for the league, cause it was always sold out, man. Yeah. You'd go there. Like it was sold out. And I, I loved what they were doing. Cause I was like, you need that. Like, you, you, well, you don't need it, but like, 
you know, to what if you want that. <laughs> you know, like to me, it was entertaining. So again, I, I felt like I was there for only for a few months or or maybe a year or two in that league. So I was okay with it. But dude, going going there was tough. It was it was stressful. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah. Um, well, about uh, right in March, uh, you get actually you uh, you get you get called up to the American Hockey League, and uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you head up to Albany. You play twenty seven games, one hundred and thirty penalty minutes. Um, what was that like from the jump up from the United League to the American League? Like that's a pretty big. Um, and you, Robbie Fatora, coach, was, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, uh, it was very tough. It was a big gap, a big gap for for a guy like me because my hockey was not there. Um, but toughness wise, I was there, right? So, so. I, I would get in the locker room and what happened is, is Jenny was called up to New Jersey and I think Mike Scrug got suspended for a few games for, for whatever it was. So they gave me a, a call up and I was supposed to play in New Jersey, uh, sorry, in, in Adirondack that night, which is about an hour from Albany. So I get to the rink and my bag is packed and the, the bags, um, the equipment guy who's actually local still is the other guy that was telling me was local. Um, Bags is like, dude, you gotta go. You gotta go to Albany. You're called up. So I'm like, yeah, fuck, like bullshit, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm believing. He's like, no, just fucking go. And I, so I get, get in my car and I drove. Um, and I got to the game late. Like I got to the game during warm up. I dre- I get dressed and I got on the ice with like three minutes left. And I think we were playing Philly that night. Uh, which which is Josh Graden knocked me out, you know, and they have Riley Cote and Ben Eager. I'm like, fuck, like I I'm like I'm freaking out. But again, I don't it happened so fast that I don't really have time to freak out, you know? So long story short, I get in the locker room, um you you said his name, Robbie Storick pulls me aside. He's like, Pierre, no fighting tonight. He's like, You're not you're you're excited, you're here to play, it's your first American League game you will not fight tonight. And I'm like, wow, right? Like, that made me feel so good that I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And, and Robbie was such a good player's coach, man. Like, he was very hard, and he was it was tough to play for, but you trusted that what he was doing was right because he played so many games, right? He was an all-star, and he was also a tough guy. So, well, tough guy, you know, he was Pretty. So you you would have you knew he had your best interest. So when he told me no fighting, I would respect that, you know. So that he allowed me to to really transition well um, in the HL, you know. Again, another example of that is is three weeks later, maybe two weeks later, we play Wilkesbury and fucking Dennis Bondy's on the other side, you know. And and they grab me before the game, and they're like, you, you're you're going to see an old man out there. They say, I'm like, an old man is like, yep. Dennis Bonvi, 27, I think his number was like 27. Don't fight him tonight. No fighting. And I'm like, okay. And sure enough, he fucking comes around the pile. There's a pile in front of the goal. And I see him skating around. Like, sneaky, sneaky. He grabs me by the collar and grab, pulls me out. And, we, like, obviously, I got my gloves. And I fought him. And after the game, everybody's like, the, the coaches are like, Pierre, you all right? You know, I told you no fighting, but it's okay. And it was it was Dennis's. I think it was his four thousand penalty minute. Yep. That that night, and I was like, did that just fucking happen? Like I just, you know, like you talking earlier about those moments where where you realize that you can do it. 
Like that, I was like, did I just fight a fucking guy who had four thousand pins in his life? And I was like, this is like, I felt so proud of myself that moment. Nobody ever understand that, right? But like, it's like I fought a guy, like a legend, like a, a, a first year boxer, a guy with like three fights who would go fight Muhammad Ali. You know, not comparing Dennis Bondi to a guy like Ali, but like. That's well, he, he was, is, though. He was, he, was. The minor league That's legend. Fair. Like, yeah, Bonvi was the man. He was. Yeah, yeah. He's the man. He still is, dude. Yeah. I don't, and nobody's ever going to touch his numbers, right? No. So, so to me, like, that was a moment. It was like, fuck, I survived that fight. I can fight anyone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, that, that was huge to me. Like, the, my first year. But again, if, if before the game, Robbie Storek doesn't tell me Pierre no fighting, I'm probably nervous as shit. And I go out there, and I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Um, but the fact that he eased me out, he's like, yeah, I don't expect you to fight tonight. Do not go out there looking for one. That gave me confidence to just do whatever the fuck I wanted. And I did my thing, and it went well. So, you know, but that's all it was, man. It, it, I, I, I absolutely loved playing in, in Albany that year. Robbie was the best. He really was so hard. He was on the ice an hour before everybody, every practice, every morning. Practice was at 9, at 8 in the morning he was on the ice. Me being the call-up guy, I felt like I had to be out there to learn, right? Because he was waiting for guys to show up and to start practicing. That's how he was. So I had to be the first guy on the ice. Then after practice, we'd get off after because we, we were on the ice for an hour and then an hour practice or an hour and a half. We'd get off the ice and as soon as you start untying your shoes, he would come and grab me and be like, hey, you want to shoot on that? I have that high school goalie um, who I'm trying to help and we need a shooter. You want to come back? So I would go back on the ice to shoot a, a thousand bucks for another hour and a half, right? Like that's how it was with, with him. But he, he made me better, man. What are you gonna say? There you go, and and well, and at this point, like you said, you're twenty, you're still finding your way, and it's like, you know, when you're in the American League, it's one step, right? And it's uh, but another guy I want to ask you about that was having a big fight year that year, and he was cruising through the league, and he was like knocking dudes out, and you you actually you, you showed well against him in Syracuse was Brandon Sugden. Oh. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good dude. I mean, I don't know him, but he was he was good on the ice. Um, that that was a scary fight for one minute, for 10 seconds, because the minute he took his helmet off, I want to say, if I recall correctly, he had an absolute mohawk. Yep. He took his helmet off, and it, it was like a cartoon where, you know, the hair goes back up. Like, fuck, you know, and it was one of those moments where I, I knew he could tell on my face that he knew he had me. I don't know how the fight went. I can't remember, but I remember fighting him absolutely. He was uh, he was a big boy, man. Yeah, he was. You did well against him. I was watching it. It's on. It was on YouTube. I was watching it this afternoon. You did well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's why I was reading. Because that le- that year he was like knocking guys out. He went on a streak there where he like knocked out like five guys in a row. Bonvi was oh, one of them. And then it was like, and then no you sure. shot him, and you kind of beat him, and it was like. I remember I was gonna, and then I was thinking in my head, I'm gonna ask you because, I mean, that had to be like, I mean, at that point, at 20 years old, that's a big win against a big name guy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was definitely one of the one of the big guys back then. I'm trying to think who else was who else was like huge. I think Drug Bank was there that year. I'm trying to think why. I mean, I got to pull my fight card that year. Just try to remember who I fought, but 
there was a, there was a lot of big boys back then. Um, oh yeah, well there's like Mark, Mark, well Gratton, Vandem, Pete Vandermeer, uh, Martin Grenier, Grant Vandermeer. Trust. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, your fight card, I could tell you, you I could tell you your fights. You fought Lee Jacobson, then Bonvi, Sugden, yeah. Louis Robitaille, Bonvi again, Jason McDonald, Zenon <laughs> Panopka, Shane O'Brien, Matt Goody, and Sean Curry. I don't think I fought Louis Robitaille. I, I think I think you tried to fight me, but it was not much of a fight. Yeah, I'm looking Louis, at your old drop your glove stick. It says you won. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Louis is a good friend, dude. I played I played with him after that, and you you know when I was talking to you about like the the way like guys were were getting you going. But not getting me going too early, right? Like Marty Brother would tell me about against Jenny. There was a there was a day when uh, I played with Louis in Albany, and uh, we're going to Syracuse, and uh, <laughs> we're we're sitting at the back of the bus, right? Like we're both older guys, so we're sitting in the back, and we're 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 talking on the way there. It's a three-hour bus ride, and didn't take five minutes as we get in the bus, and and Louis would Louis went is like Pierre, you know this sign there. Because it's on his phone. He's like, you know they signed? I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear about it. Don't tell me about it. He's like, buddy, you just signed Nasty. I'm like, who? You just signed Nasty Verasty. And I'm like, I honestly have no fucking clue yet. All right? Like, I never followed the NHL. I, I did not know who Verasty was. But I can tell you that 30 minutes later, after Louis showed me about 18 of his fights against uh, fucking Cote back in the, the NHL and all the guys like pretty much hitting him with a baseball bat and he wouldn't fucking budge and he kept coming. I was, the last two hours of that bus ride, I was sweating my ass off, man. I was like, I cannot believe I got to fight this guy. Obviously, they called him up. I'm going to have to fight him. It's happening. I, and I did not like the feeling, okay? And you can watch that fight when I felt nasty that day, dude. I, 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 again, like, he starts throwing at me, and I'm like, I took one, and I'm like, holy fuck, I can't take that guy. His punches, okay, I got him, because like, I had him locked where I wanted, so his punches were just touching me, right? It was perfect. And I threw one punch, and he, I don't know if I knocked him out or if he fell, but he went down. And that was one of my most favorite moments in my fighting career ever, because the two and a half plus the two hour before, four hours, I'm swinging my ass off. I'm like, fuck, this guy's way tougher than me. And sure enough, one punch, he's done. I'm like, finish, I'm done. <laughs> Get me out of there. I was like, this is great. I got it. I looked at Louis and he was pumped. Like, he was so proud, I can tell. But no moments, man. No moments like that. Absolutely. Well, before we uh, before we leave Albany this year, the one guy I want to ask you about that was on the team, he's a 21-year-old at the time, uh, was David Clarkson. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, heck of a player. Uh, you know, went on, had a, you know, Solid, uh, you know, NHL career with New Jersey. Yeah, and then he, and then it was like he signed that big contract with Toronto and just fizzled. It was like, it's it's weird. It's just like what happened, you know? It was just uh, I felt so because I was a big Clarkson fan. I was just like, oh man, you know. I love them. Yeah, I I still love that guy. I think he's awesome. He's one of those guys who was victim of. He had an agent who was. I don't know if his agent was too good. Yeah, I was going to say his agent was real good. The pressure was added. Yeah. Um, 
But they do the. I don't know, man. I feel like if he stayed in Jersey, he probably would have done better because he fit it in the system and he, he didn't have any pressure really on him. Uh, but when you sign a big ticket like that, man, it's 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 tough. It's tough, and and it sucks that it it kind of like made him or made his career like look not as good. Dude, he had a great career. Like, Absolutely. did he score thirty the year before? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's unbelievable. Like <laughs> that's unbelievable. Back then, thirty goals, man. Like that was unreal. And and he, he probably had twenty five fights or twenty fights. He never backed down. Like he was, he was unreal. Clarky, man. My my first year, right when I was in, in Adirondack and I would get called up in Albany. He was roommate with Jenny Kim Jensen. And when Jenny was called up, instead of like me driving back to Albany. Or sorry, to Adirondack, which was probably an hour and 15 minutes, right, from my house to here. We, we came back from road trips, playing the next day. Like, we came back on a Saturday night at 2 in the morning. We played at 4. He would offer me a place to stay. Like, he was like, you don't have to drive home. Just take Jenny's bed or come sleep on the couch. Like, that's how he was. Like, that's the kind of guy. And I didn't know him. Again, I didn't even speak English back then. And he would just take me in his house, and he would like he was that kind of a guy. Like I, I, I have so much respect for David. He, he was he was an unbelievable guy, tough as nails, never said no, never backed down. And yeah, the fact that he went to Toronto, his hometown, and things didn't go as well as he wanted. I think it's sad, but dude, he still got to play for the Maple Leafs as a Toronto guy. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, like yeah, I mean, I'm, that guy played five hundred sure games, so made a ton pumped. of money, and you know whatever. I yeah, mean, I'm sure no one told any freaking GoFundMe swarm or anything. I mean, no, like oh, he, I hope not. No, like he made a ton of cash, and no, I was just a huge Clarkson fan, so it was like when he went to Toronto, yeah. it was like okay, cool, and then you know, of course, you play in Toronto, and if you're not. Ah scoring three goals and fighting everybody they hate you you know so it's like right, right, right. you know i so i just felt bad for him because i was like a big fan well they wanted, they wanted a taizomi out of him or something right yeah that's probably what they wanted out of him like taizomi or clark or like they wanted a, a guy that was gonna do it all yeah yeah hey when you were in uh i i just noticed i was i was kind of looking at the roster i didn't even realize he was there at the time was alexander mcgillney there when you were there oh yeah yeah. <laughs> so my first game, dude, I think the fight, the game I fought Bonzi, not my first game, but one of my first games, my parents were in the stands and my mom was sitting right behind the penalty box because she knew by then that I was going to end up there, right? And I, I, back then you didn't have digital cameras. You had those, those fucking, like, crank it, throw it away kind of cameras, right? Yep. My mom took about four camera full of pictures. So it's like 80 pictures, 20, 20 or 25. So maybe a hundred pictures that day that I fought Bonvi, I ended up on the penalty box right next to Almo for like the, the two minutes he was there and the five minutes I was there, whatever. So like my mom did not take a picture next to him. The guy scored 70 goals. She had no fucking clue. She did not take that photo. And I would have loved, imagine that photo in my office, me next to Alex Mogilny. Dude, that would have been awesome, but she didn't do it. I'm so pissed off still. I'm mad at my mom today. <laughs> <laughs> she had a picture for every other moment of the game except for that one. Yeah. 
Buddy, every moment I fell, every time I had the puck and my head was down, every time I got hit and fell, like, yeah, my finger on my nose, she has a picture. But no, me sitting next to a legend like Almo, no, she doesn't have it. <laughs> you probably grew up, you probably grew up watching him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when he was in Buffalo with LaFontaine and those, and Brad May and those guys, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I, I'm like he played at 36. He was in the he was in the American League. I didn't even know he was there. I was just scroll. I was just oh, about yeah. to click out of it, and I'm like, McGillney, Alec, what? I'm like, I didn't know he was in the East American Hockey League. But yeah, uh, talking about guys who made money, right? Like my first, that was my first year. I was making twenty seven thousand five hundred in the minors. Okay, in the UHL that year, and I think my two way contract in the American League was like forty thousand in, in the American League, right? Uh, no bonus, nothing. But I, I was driving a 1994 Toyota Corolla, so I would go from I would go from uh, that and I would drive my freaking Corolla to Albany. And sometimes I had a hotel room as a resident down here, and I would park my car next to a Bentley or a fucking Porsche again. And it was it was almost every every week or something he would go home and change car, and he had tons of cars, and it was all like like. A ridiculous collectible. Like, I, and, and I was driving a, you know, a beater, two thousand dollar car, and he would pull up with his Bentley. <laughs> I mean, one day, Pierre. One day, if you keep working hard, you're gonna get it. <laughs> how how was he with the boys? Did he big league anybody, or was he cool? No, no, he was cool. He, I mean, you, you, you don't. I don't need to tell you that. And I, it's not coming from him; it's coming from me. But like, he probably didn't want to be there. No. Right? Like, he didn't want to travel on the bus. Like, he didn't want to be there, but he was always good to the boys. He, he, if I recall correctly, like, I, 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 I feel like he was taking care of the guys. Like, if we had, if we had events and parties and, you know, he would, he would take care of the guys. And I, I, again, I, I, it was, it's kind of a blur because it happened so fast and I did not really pay attention to that, but I really think he was good with the guys. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I would, if he was not, I probably wouldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think he was good with the boys. Well, the following year in 2006, 2006 2007, um, you're actually in the East Coast Hockey League for the season with the Trenton Titans. Um, yeah. Were, uh, um, I, I, well, I'll just put it bluntly. Uh, like, how pissed were you that you were in the American League? And, I mean, you had some good fights in the American League, and I'm sure you probably started feeling like, I belong here, and then all of a sudden you're in the East Coast League for the year. How did, yeah. that, how did that treat you? Like, what were you thinking? Where was your mind at that point? Yeah, you nailed it. I don't want to be there. I was pissed off. I felt like I did enough to earn a spot in the American League. I felt like I was tougher than all those guys. I felt like I... I felt, I felt, I felt, and I, you know, but I, I was young and hungry, and again, I had a great group of guys there, um, and that that really helped me get through the year, um, not, and not in a bad way, not like I needed to get through because I, I hated it, no, like I, I needed to not think about myself, like, it, it, and that, that really, that was a part of growing up, like it was part of me understanding what being a pro is, you yeah. know, and, and I had a great coach, uh, Vince William and Rick Kowalski. Rick was the head coach. 
Rick coached me another another two times. I think he coached me in Albany for two years after that in the minors again. But um, I, I just had a great group of guys, and, and that was helpful. But no, man, I didn't want to be there. I, I didn't like it. I, I thought I should have been in the American League, especially after finding guys like Bondi, like you said, right? And I found those guys, and I was like, I can't do it. Like, why am I here? So it was tough. That was a tough year for me. Yeah, well, like, did they, like... I mean, I guess it's hockey. I mean, they're going to just say whatever they say, but it's like, did they give you any reason? I mean, I guess you're still 21 years old and whatever, but like, did you even go to camp that year? Like, were you in devil's camp that year, New Jersey? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was. And, uh, no, they wanted me to work on my, you know, on my, my hockey skills. And, and I'm looking at my fight card right now from that year. I only had 15 fights. Like I, I, and I and I know that I, I I never felt like I had to fight that year. I was working on hockey and I was skating and working hard. Um, I remember it, yeah, very well. Uh, that was not that was not a big year fighting wise, but I I did work hard on on getting a you know working learning how to play the game a little bit because I had more ice time too. In the coast, you have less players, right? So you're not a forward liner waiting for, you know, your four minutes or five minutes of ice time in a game. Like if you're in the coast, you're playing. So I was getting my 15 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, looking back on it now, actually from their sense, that actually probably makes sense to actually give you the ice time to get you playing. But at the same time, try to tell that to a 21-year-old kid. I mean, yeah, you got to be a little hot about it for sure. Nobody's going to be happy with that. Nobody. No. How and they don't if they expect you to be happy with it, they're 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 crazy. Like nobody's gonna like it. You're getting sent down. Yeah, wow. Bullshit. And I'm sure, and they don't really care what you think about the thing anyway. I mean, it's true. You know, I didn't ask you though when you when you first got drafted. I should have asked you this, but your your dealings with, of course, he's infamous with is Lou Lamarillo. Um, what what was your? Did you ever have? I mean, obviously you talked to him. I mean, what was he like to deal with? Lou was, and I'm sure still is, one of the toughest person to work for. But there's, I don't think there's any bullshit with him. And if you give him everything you got, and I'm not telling you, like, you don't need to be the best. But if you give him everything you got, he's going to do everything for you. He will, he will treat you right and he will give you every opportunity that you earn. I, I, I felt like sometimes, and Lou, Lou told me one day, he called me in his office and was like, stop being a, stop being, and that's not the words he used, right? Obviously he did not swear at me, but like he, he said, like, stop being a, a poor me, like, uh, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Like, just fucking go out there and, and be the man that you need to be. Like, and, and for me, like for a bus to be able to tell me that, when think about it, like you're in the NHL, you're at the top of the world, man. Like you're, you're the man, and and you're mad because you're not playing a game or you're healthy scratch or whatnot. And and for him to come and tell you that and use the right words to get me going, dude, like he, he was he was awesome too. Like he was tough. It was tough. Everyone, everybody will tell you he's an absolute tough guy to work with or work for. But if you give him your best, you're, you're never going to hear about him. And they're, they're, back then, I was not consistent. I was not, 
you know, I was not the best pro I, I, I could have been or I should have been. And he fucking told me, <laughs> you know, so I, I respect that more than anything. I, I, I really do. So I, I love them as a, as a, as a GM. Um, you know, when you're in it, sometimes you think you hate him. You think you're mad. But when you look back, there, there's I wouldn't change anything, anything with, with Lou, like, It was it was such a good man for me. He gave me so many opportunities. He brought me back in the right lane when I had to be brought back in the in the lane. Right, if I was stepping out, he was like he, he did everything right. And I'm sure you can talk to any tough guys that, and, and it's probably not just tough guys, but he's skill players too. But like for tough guys, he was he was very good to us. Yeah, did um, yeah, like over over the year, I'm just thinking with New Jersey when you were there and going to camp and stuff and then playing. But I mean, you had, you had Brent Sutter, like Larry Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. You know, Larry, just, Larry the Big Bird, the Big Bird. Yeah, and of course you got Martin Brodeur, and you know, and all those guys play. You know, Zach Parisi and Gianta, and and all those guys. Um, how were they like when you go to camp? At you know, at this point, you you've been to three or four or five Devils camps at that at that point. Um, I mean, obviously the veteran. They, I mean, they know who you are, obviously, and everything. I mean, how is it? Um, does it get easier, like dealing with those guys? Did anybody kind of give you shit? Like, how were the no. veterans to you at that point? <laughs> they were. They've always been really good to me. I, I, I was, I was lucky, and, and like I, I always hung out more with the veterans than with like the the, the third, fourth, fifth year guys for whatever reason. I, I, I don't know why, but it, and I don't know if it's normal or not, but I was always with the older guys more. And, um, now I, I'm, you know, I'm, the, I'm a French guy and in New Jersey and Marty was a French guy. So it was easy for me to connect with him, but he, he's also a very like welcoming guy. Like he, it's not because I was French. Like he, he would be like that with anybody, right? Like if you're doing your job and, and you're helping the team win, like, He's gonna treat you like a human being. Like, there was no differentiation between a veteran and a and a young guy in that team. There were at times, right? But like, never in a bad way. You know, they would never tell you like like get the fuck out of here. You're a rookie. You don't play cards. Like I would play cards if they needed a guy. I was welcome to play cards. You know, but I've been on teams where no rookies were not allowed to play cards, which to me was bullshit. <laughs> you know. So, but they, they were always good to me, and, and I was starstruck, man, when I walked in that locker room because I grew up. I didn't grow up watching hockey. I grew up, you know, liking hockey because again, I was not like a star growing up. I was not in my blood. But Marty Brodeur was the talk of the town when I was a kid. You know, it was yep. him and Patrick Roy. So having having him in the locker room or on the plane with us to me was just was just unreal. No, well, and I think also, like, did you find, well, throughout the years, I mean, obviously when you got older, you'd be a vet, but kind of at that younger years for you, I mean, I guess going to camp, did you sort of, as the tough guy, did that sort of, that sort of gained you some instant respect too, did it not? Like, compared to like maybe a goal, like a college kid or something, a goal scorer, I mean, I think the players would tend to gravitate towards a tough guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe, Um, and, and 
and, and if I look back on my career, okay, and, and to be a hundred percent honest, that's one thing that I always felt like I, and still today, I wish I did more of. I wish I was more of the team guy. I was very focused on my career, um, not in a selfish way. Just I always thought that if I was the toughest guy I could ever been, if I was the if I was the man, if I was the tough guy, I would help my team right better. Um, I would make I would be better for my team. But looking back on how hockey was back when I played, the tough guy just to your point was the guy that was, and to my point earlier when I said Nielsen, right, Eric Nielsen was the man, like, dude, like, it's not always, it was not always about fighting. Sometimes the team just needed a guy, like a, a big brother. And I, I wish I had learned that. And to go back to what I said, my point, my first year, if I spent more time with that first first year in, in, in that round back, I would have learned to be a better pro. That's what I was referring to, like, I could have learned to be a big brother in a way. Like I don't, I don't have a better word. So if that's a bad word, I'm sorry. But I, I, I don't oh, have. I don't I, I yeah, never, yeah. No, it makes right? sense. So yeah. I never had that. That I was never in a situation where I could understand how helpful I was. So I never worked on that side of my my of me. And I don't know if you can work on that. I don't know if you have it or you don't. Like like, but that's one thing. So so to me, like. I never felt like guys were gravitating around me as much as they probably should have if I had done a better job. Does that make sense? I feel like no, that's I know, fucking I know, deep, man. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. I, I, should I put my feet up and like, this is a fucking session where I'm going to feel, I'm, I'm going to start crying soon. <laughs> <laughs> Well we'll, we'll get, well, we'll get back to the fighting. Here we go. We'll we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Too much soft talk here. We got to get back into the tilt. Um, well, like I said, the, the well, the following year you come up, and uh, this year you play thirty six games in the American League, and uh, they had moved to Lowell at this point. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, Kurt Latendorf is your coach. Um, but I was looking at the roster, and you had a couple of veteran guys in that Lowell team. And one of the guys I want to ask you about, um, actually, I just did a I, on my one of my shows earlier. I did a player spotlight on him. It was, a, and I was talking about him, and I was a big fan. I, he kind of went under the kind of undercover tough in the NHL, but was Grant Marshall? Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah, he was. He was tough. Undercover tough, yeah, I guess, dude. He was tough. He probably has two thousand pens in the NHL, doesn't he? You know, he'd have quite a few. Yeah, it was. Uh... I bet he's got over fifteen hundred in the NHL. He was, he was tough, man. He was no joke. You know, like that guy was a motherfucker. He wanted to win everything, everything. If you sit down next to him and you have a sandwich and he has a sandwich that's the same, he's gonna eat that sandwich faster than you. Like that guy was such a competitor. He would not, and and he still is. I bet you. I I love playing with him. I I so my first year when I was telling you Almo was like I was starstruck. That year I had him. I had uh, Dan McGillis. Who else was there? I had like three or four NHL guy. Was Jean Grandier there on yeah. that team? Jean Luc, Richard Matvichuk. Yeah, Matvichuk was there. Like I had, we had some serious players on that team all NHL guys um 
Yeah, we should have been much better that year. <laughs> but I think we sucked. I don't know. If, I don't think we made the playoffs. No, you didn't. Yeah, we sucked. But <laughs> um, <laughs> we had some good players, man. Well, that that year, I'm just to kind of talk. Uh, I have to ask you about a couple of your fights because I'm a huge fan of these guys, and I got to ask you. Um, the first one you had, and it was a real good one. I was watching it on YouTube. Was uh, with Kip Brennan. Yeah. Kip Brennan. Yeah. Kip was uh, Kip was uh, just like Sugden to me. Kip Kip and uh, Sugden were like two big, heavy, very respected guys that I, I would go into those fights like I, I just need to survive that one. I'm not here to impress anyone. I, I'm not gonna hurt those guys. They're fucking machines. It is what it is. Like those, that was my mindset against those guys because they were just that tough. Well, two more guys that are probably that tough: the wrecker, Joel Reckless, and then Trevor, oh, yeah. Gill- and then Trevor Gillies. Oh Jesus Christ! They were in Albany that year, huh? Yeah. Oh, dude. So, so, Wrecker. That was the same I game you fought it. those two. Oh, fuck. Well, Gilly's chickens out. And I'll, I'll, I don't know if I ever called him on that, but he said, he said Wrecker at me because Wrecker was a rookie, right? That year or, yeah, he was a rookie. He said Wrecker at me. And the minute I stepped out of, I, I think he sent him. Okay. Maybe he didn't, but fucking Wrecker came at me. And the minute I stepped out of the box, Trev came right at me. And you know those fights with Wrecker were probably like 45 seconds to a minute, right? And Gillies knew I was tired. Like, he should have waited a little longer. So I don't even remember how those fights went, but I thought that was bullshit that day. They were they both came at me, and I, I thought it was bullshit, but it is what it is. You know, um, two tough guys. I absolutely love Gillies. I'll tell it to his face that he, I think he screwed me that day, but he's an absolute great fucking guy. He's another legend in hockey, man. Um, and Wrecker was one of my favorite guys to fight. I thought he was, dude, I loved fighting that guy. Not cause, just cause his passion and he was so fucking intense. And our fights would go for him forever. When he was in Hershey, dude, we probably had three fights, four fights in a year that were right around two minutes long. And it was it was like bombs. It was bombs, bombs, bombs. And he would never slow down. Like it was unreal. Like I loved fighting him, not because it was fun, just because I, I I thought we were putting on a hell of a show. And I never, I was not. I, I, you can't tell by now. Like I'm not the kind of guy that was going in a fight to put on a show. But when I was fighting Wrecker, I had that mindset that we're 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 putting on a show. And it was awesome. Yeah, he he was awesome. Yeah, his fights. Yeah, unbelievable, and like watching you guys go. I mean, it was just like, yeah, that guy, he's he's outstanding, man. And like you said with Gillies, I mean, I don't know if there's a more intense individual than that, that guy, but uh, yeah, <laughs> well, not, man. He's such a he's an absolute beauty, dude. I met I met him at the, the professional PHPA meetings the first time I met Gillies. And uh, it was, I was not intimidated, but you never, I didn't know how to approach him. Like, I was like, he's, a, he's an old guy. Like, he's a veteran. Like, he probably doesn't like me. But he, he fucking grabbed me and, and, like, made me feel like I was his brother for, you know, and, and I, it, it, all the fighting and all the fighting stories, all the hate, like, I was just telling you, like, I felt like he did me wrong. Dude, we were by the pool in Florida when I met him, and, and it was all over. 
Like, and, and I, that was, I have so much respect for that. Like, he treated me so well that week that I was like, I learned something. And going back to my big brother story, not to spend much time on it, but like, that's the guy, man. That's the guy teams need, like guys like him. You know, and and I, I I have a lot of respect for those two fucking guys. And the year they played together, they were probably the toughest one-two punch in the league. Cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now a message from our sponsors. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. I mean, right now, look at the FC East, guys. You know, the Bills, the Jets, Miami, it's a logjam. Is Kansas City still the team to beat? They're looking good. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is the go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, we're back here. Quick break. Um, well, uh, we get to 2008, 2009. Of course, this is a big year in your career. Uh, you, of course, you made yep. your, your NHL debut. Um, but before that, obviously, you go to camp again. And, um, and initially that you have, you had four fights in the preseason. I'm looking them up. You fought Riley Cote twice. You fought Mark Claxon and you fought Donald Brashear, uh, who was playing for Washington at the time. And you had, actually, you did really well against Brash. Um, at that point, and you did really well against Riley Cote as well. Um, at that point, were you fairly confident that you were sticking with the team? Uh, no, yeah, no, no, I was not. I, dude, I, I did not think, I did not think I had a spot on that team yet. Um, Brash, Brash was a big moment. Um, I knew that it opened a lot of eyes when I fought him, right? Because, like, the big big guys, the the NHL guys did not know I was tough, right? Because the the minor league guys saw me fight all those guys in the minors, but the NHL guys had no fucking clue. But when they saw me fight Brash, I felt, I could tell. Like, the way they looked at me was like, all right, this guy's for real, right? Yep. Like, so that, that, that did that for me. But I ended up going back in the minors that year, um, and I, I really felt like I, if like it was the time, it was now or never. Like I had to turn it on and just fucking go, right? And uh, that's what I did. But that, the, I was not surprised to be sent down um, at all because I was like, they don't have a spot for me. I clearly surprised everybody by fighting that guy. I was very thankful that they gave me a shot, but I, I, I was like, I, I'm not sticking, not a chance. Yeah. Um. Well. So you you have the four fights in the preseason. Um, you go down to Lowell. You have a couple fights with Ryan Stokes and then Kevin Westgarth. Yep. And then you're called back up. And you make your NHL debut against Dallas October 22nd, 2008. Uh, 
and you made the books, man. You made it. So what's it like when you, right. when, you, when you put that new, when you put that jersey on for the first time in a regular season NHL game? Were your parents able to get down there? Did they give you enough notice? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They well, so my brother was at that game against uh, Manchester where I fought Westgard, and um, yeah, then I, I I got called up, and uh, my brother was on his way back home that day because I was in Lowell, so I was driving back home, and I called them. Or I paged him, dude. He had a pager back then. So I sent him a page. This thing vibrates and he turns around, calls me, and I'm like, dude, I just got called up. So he's like, I'm no shit. I'll be like, freaking out. So he go, he went back home, packed up some stuff and came. I think he brought my parents back down. But yeah, my parents, I, I had a bunch of friends and family down. It was awesome. Um, I had, I think he called me up the day before the game. So I practiced in the morning. Or yeah, I had a game against against Manchester. I practiced the next day. After practice, I got the call, something like that. So I think that's what happened. And uh, I called my family, my friends, and everybody had time to come down for the next day game. So it was it was it was good. We had we had a good crowd. I had a bunch of friends in town. Like I said, my girlfriend at the time was there. Uh, I was happy she could be there, you know. And uh, my parents made it, you know, and. To me, it was more. It was more about sharing it with my friends and family than it was about me. Um, I felt like they put in more work and they suffered more. You know, all the my my dad tearing up stories to to my mom freaking out because I was fighting or leaving. Like he, it was more about them than it was about me. You know. Yeah, it's cool that everybody but, could get there and stuff. And uh, did the. Um... Yeah, well, you're playing Dallas. I mean, you're playing Medano and shit. I mean, you know, Brendan Morrow, it's, it's yeah. Daryl Sador, these guys. I mean, uh, 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 Mike Ribeiro, you know, Brad Richards. I mean, all those guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that had to be pretty cool. Well, was Avery playing when you were there? I think he was, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was on the lineup that day, man. He was quiet. He knew. He knew better. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, oh, that new, that, that new guy, I don't want to try him. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure he played. I'm pretty sure he didn't do anything. Um, there, we had, we had Clarky, we had me, um, you know, and, and we had a tough team, tough team, right? Like guys like Langebrunner, we had Mike Rupp, uh, who else did we have that was like, we had Shanahan. That would take Colin White, Colin White was there. Was Shanahan on that team? Yep. Was he on that team? He only played 34 games that year. Oh, okay. I don't know if he played that game, but I know, like, so we had a team tough, toughness, and, and I, so I don't know if he did anything, but to me, like, of all the guys you said, Mike Modano, man, what a legend that guy was. And, and I got, I got to play my first game against him. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Brad Richards, too. Uh, who else was on that team? Said, oh, you know, Chris Barch. Yeah. Chris Barch asked me to fight. He asked me to fight on the faceoff. And, um, I was like, it was like four nothing or five nothing. I, was, I looked at it. I was like, really? He was like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> I was like, me. I don't want to fucking fight. Like, I don't want to risk it. Like, I don't want to, you know, so most guys would want to get in a fight their first NHL game. Like, I was, I was happy. I had an apple, right? And then I was like, we're winning. My family did. I was like, this is a fucking perfect day. I don't want to fight. So when he asked me on the face of Rick, he was like, hey, you want to go? I was like, really? 
And he said, no. I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, that, 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 like, maybe I should have fallen, though. It would have been, it would have been a perfect night. Well, but, like you yeah, said, I'm pretty sure it's Parch. We were talking about Clarkson earlier, David Clarkson. That was your assist. Yeah. It was on his goal. That's right, man. He, he, I, I told you, I, I did everything. I, I went in on the four check. I beat a guy, stole the puck, fed him. It was a backhand saucer. All he had to do was just tap it in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Easiest goal of his life. Um, Easiest goal of his life. That's right. Honestly, I, I, there's a lot of people, a lot of my friends that think that I actually like coughed the puck up and he actually was in the right spot, took it and he did everything from there, but I think that's bullshit. I think I worked way harder than him for that point. <laughs> oh well, yeah. But yeah, I, I had my first assist on my first game and you'd think I was on for a, a sixty point season, but no, it didn't happen. Well, at at one time you were a point a game player in the NHL. Buddy, I should have retired on top. You could have, yeah. Go out on a I, high. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, your first actual, uh, well, back at it here, your your first regular season NHL tilt uh, was, a, was a great fight against, well, once again, Riley Cote. Actually, he was your first, your first two NHL fights were Cote. Um, what was it? And I know you actually had numerous run-ins with him. Um, what was it like fight, fighting uh, Wiley Coyote? I I have a lot of respect for Wiley Coyote. All right, and and I'll say this, but I I whatever. Like I'm not I'm not bashing the guy, but the the one the time where he hit me from behind and broke my face in the board, I fucking hate him for that. All right, but it's it's all it's all you know a lot of a lot of water under the bridge. Like I'm not mad at him or anything, but so every time I was fighting him, um, after that I was I fuck I did not like it because it took me to a place where I didn't want to be as a fighter. I want to be in control. I want to be poised. I want to be chill, and and I I did not like him because of that that one hit and you can look it up the 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 you just look up right uh cote hits leblon and you'll find that he, he drilled me from behind for no not for no reason obviously i had the puck but um he broke my two orbital bones broke my cheekbone and you know and, and that's why i i was i was so mad and there was a lot of uh emotions in our fights after that but um whatever it is what it is like i was never um Never a big fan of him when I played against him. Later in life, when I when I got to know him because he was coaching right in Adirondack, and I was still playing, and I would talk to the players because I I was friends with some guys on the team, and they would tell me what a nice guy he was. Um, that made me feel better because it, it gave me a reason not to hate the fucking guy anymore. Yeah, and I don't like hating people. I don't like hating guys. <laughs> I really don't. So I was I was looking for that, you know. Like, um, as a fighter, dude, I think Radico Day was one of the toughest motherfuckers. He never backed down. He was all out. Right, dude, he always had a black eye. Yeah. Always. Year, year round, he had a fucking black eye. That tells you that the guy was always ready to go, you know? Um, so I, 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 yeah, you know, I went, I went through a lot of emotions with that fucking guy for, for no other reason than he, you know, he crushed me. And I, I listen, like, it's a, it's a fast game. I don't want to say that he meant to do that or that he didn't. But, um, yeah, I didn't like him when I was a player. 
now if I ran into him in a bar, you bet your ass we would sit down and talk and, and probably drink 25 beers together, you know. But back then, it was uh, it was a lot of emotion. So, you know, it was uh, it's kind of tricky for me to, to tell you I, I, I like him. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, obviously, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit there. Um, well, you play a few more games, and then uh, you get sent back down. Uh, for the pretty much for the rest of the year down to the American League um, was I mean obviously you're in the NHL and you want to stay and make an NHL money and it's like obviously you don't want to go back down um, was that were you were you surprised to go down or were you surprised that you were even on the team like what were your emotions at that point after a few games in the NHL um huh. No, because again, to to what I said about Lou, I, I can tell you right now that that time when he sent me down, um, I could tell he was proud, and and he made it clear, and he was like, Pierre, it's not your time, and again, it's not the words that he used, but he, that's how he made me feel like it's not your time, but you're you're on the right track, keep doing what you're doing and you're going to get your spot. And then it took what, two weeks, three weeks after that, um, a month, whatever it was. And I, I was called back up. Like, and, and you know, when I was telling you, if you give him your best, he's going to give, he's going to, he's going to give you back, give it back to you. Like that's exactly what it was. And I, I never, I knew it was a matter of time at that point. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, we'll go over your whole fight card from that year or anything like that. But the following year is when you, uh, yeah, you played the 27 games in the NHL. Um, what what was it like playing with, uh, like, Jacques Le- – because now they got a new coach. they got Jacques Lemaire, Mario Tremblay's there. Um, yeah. Like, you know, obviously, like, what the French – you know, what the French and everything – what was that like? Was that what was it like playing for those guys? Because now you got a new set of eyes on you too. Do you sort of think you have to like prove yourself all over again? Um, no. This is this is the mistake I made, right? Um, this is the one time in my career in my life where I walked into a locker room thinking that I I made it, and that was my mistake. That was that was where I I I took. You have momentum, you're growing, you're getting better, and then you, you you sit back thinking, ah, you know, I feel good about it, and then everybody else is going faster than you, and then you fall off the wagon. Like, that's exactly what happened to me that year. I thought I was going to walk in there and everybody's going to love me. Like, I was going to be, fuck, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the tough guy, right? Like, to, to go back to what I said earlier, like, I make a difference by being that tough. Like I walked in that locker room thinking I could be that guy instead of doing what I always did, which was team toughness and, and, and right. Like, like bringing the boys up, making them tougher. Like I walked in there thinking I can make a difference by being the toughest guy, but that's not how it is. Not when you're me. Like I was never that guy. So, um, Fucking Jock Lemaire made me understand that. It took him about 30 games to put that in my head. You know, I was, I was LT scratch for probably 25, 30 games in a row that year. It was awful. My first, if you look at the, at my stats, I don't think I played a game. Maybe I played one or two games the first three months. 
And I was LT scratch, LT scratch, LT scratch, LT scratch, nonstop, and it fucking sucked. And I never found out why, but that was his decision, and that's how it was. And and until I started playing again, and and I, you know, once I started playing again, that was it. Like I was back in the lineup, and but they they made me wait, man. I had I had to earn it that year. Well, yeah, because I was gonna say your first because you fight uh, Brett Henley and and Wrecker again in the preseason. And then okay. your first regular season fight that year is January 10th against Kanopka. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah. So, so that that's all that's how long it took me, man. I was I was LT scratch and not bitching here, but back then that's you know what I was telling you little Mario would tell me, like don't be a poor me, like stop being a little bitch pretty much. Like go to work, like fucking earn it. Like that's that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. And I, I, I wish, I wish I knew then what I know now, because I would fucking work way harder. I, you know, I thought I was working very hard back then, but I can't tell you, man. I had more. I had more than me, and I wish I, I wish I knew that then. But you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Well, so. on that year, uh, New Jersey also brought in Andrew Peters that year. Um, yeah, that's right. Petey was there. Yeah. Yep. Did you get along with him? Loved him. Yeah, fucking loved him. He was my roommate. He was a he was a great guy to be. Um, again, going back to I needed a number one, number two. Like he took a lot of pressure off my shoulders, man. Like the one game I remember when I fought Jay Rosell, he fought he fought uh, Colton Orr right before me. Um, dude, think about it, man. Like like nothing against Jay Rosell. He's a tough guy, but like if you walk on the ice in Toronto and there's twenty thousand fans. And you have Colton Orr looking at you. Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't want that fight, man. I'll take Jay Rosell all day. Nothing Again, nothing against Jay, man. He's a tough guy. I love them. Played with him, too. But, like, Colton Orr that year was tough. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough. So, but Petey took him for me. Like, well, I'm not saying he took him for me, but, like, he took him. And he allowed me to not fight him. <laughs> so, you know, like, what a, like that was huge for me, man. Those moments are fucking awesome. I needed that. You know, and then Jay, I fought Jay that, that, that night. It was a good fight. And then I played with Jay later on and tons of respect for him. But, yeah, that, that was, uh, Petey was my roommate. You know, he was a great guy. I, I loved him. He was one of the loudest, funniest guy I played with. He always had stories, you know, and... He's a great locker room guy. Well, one of the fights I, of course, everyone talks about, and I have to ask you because what's your? I, I'd like to know your mindset going into it. Of course, is the famous like three minute fight you have in New Jersey with Cam Jansen. Of course, he's in St. Louis, and Cam Jansen comes back home to New Jersey, and it's basically you're there now, yeah. almost like you took his you took his spot in New Jersey. You know he's coming for you, and you know he's going to put on a show for New Jersey fans. And was that was that a real sort of statement fight for you? Like, were you looking yeah. at it that way as well? Well, again, again, I, I did not think about it until the the day of. Until like I didn't realize how big this fight was for him, or how big this fight would be for me. Until right before the game when Marty Brother was telling me, Pierre, you know Jenny's going to come for you, <clears throat> right? Until that moment, I knew I was going to fight him, but I, I didn't. It was what it was. 
that moment when I had that conversation, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah, man. You could, I can really prove myself. All those fans are going to be like, they love Jenny. They fucking love them. He was an absolute hero in Jersey. He's still, like, people still love him, right? Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is where I can, it's a, it's not a make or break situation at all, but I was like, I can really make them forget about him, which can never happen. But like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can make them yeah. like me more than, so anyway. So yeah, man, that was a big, big fight. And, and, He did it the right way, right? Like, he, I was on the ice. He came on the ice. He, he's got next to me. I knew, and I told you before, I watched a lot of uh, fighting tape. Well, I learned a lot. And I everything, the way I was fighting was because of Cam Jansen. He was a smaller guy, and he was doing great. So I would watch all of his fights, and I would try to copy what he was doing, like straight up. There was no reason for me to reinvent the wheel. It was working for him. I, so I tried it one day, the counterpunch thing, and I was like, I can totally do that. This is fucking, this is boxing. This is it. Like, you take, you block and you throw over the top. Like, this is, this is what I can do, right? So, so when I fought Jenny that day, I knew exactly how he, like, I didn't have to watch Dave that day. I, I, I saw, uh, you know, 200 of his fights. I knew exactly what to do. And, uh, yeah, it, it worked out great, man. It was a, it was a fun fight. I think everybody in the hockey community enjoyed it. Um, whether you like fighting or not, I think that fight was, uh, it was one that we're never going to forget. No, that was like, <coughs> pardon me. That was like one of the longest fights, uh, hockey fights that I'd ever seen. Yeah. I revisited it today before I had you on and I'm watching it and it's just like, you can almost see it's like, Neither of you are going down in that fight. Right. You know, that's right. just, you know, and no one's going to say stop either. And, uh, no. you know, so, yeah, it's, uh, there, there, there was, there was no, no way. And I knew that. I knew I was not going to put him down. I tried my, tried the hardest I could, man. I tried so hard to just catch him or even pull him down. And I, I, You guys don't, you, you need to, you don't understand how strong Cam Jensen is on his fucking feet. Like at that time, like there's, there's no bringing the fucking guy down. And I, I felt so many guys were, if I was tired or if I had enough, which was not often, but I could just pull on their Jersey and, you know, it's a shoulder move where you just fucking push down and the guy will go down because you're, you're on your toes and your skates are, your skates are going to bring you down. Right. There was no fucking way Jenny was going down. And I, and I, and I, I don't necessarily try to push him down because when you push down on a guy, you kind of expose yourself because you're bringing him closer to you. You're letting him into your guard. And as a guy, like the way I was fighting, I was more defensive. If I push him down, he's in and he can literally connect. He can strike and fucking knock me out. So I was not really trying to, but like I can tell, like just by like just jabbing or moving his, his neck. I could tell if he was tired. And, and that dude, there was no fucking tired guy. I, I never felt him slow down that day. Um, I could so he was slowing down with his punches that were not as strong, but like, in his legs, there was no, no way he was going down. I had, I had like three days after that. The next day I showed up at practice and my, the muscles in my legs, man, like, I was in so much pain. Like, there was no way to explain that. I was in so much pain. All those little muscles around my calf, 
um, like in my shins, man, it was it was so pain. My hands, I don't think I could hold my stick for like three days because <laughs> I was like, it was just grabbing, man, and punching. And it was it was unbelievable. Like I, I I thought that like it was not a career highlight for me in the sense that like I and this is what my career was about. But like it was it was an unbelievable moment because I can't push me to my limit. Like that was one of those moments when you go all out and you push and you push and you work and you're hard and you're like, no, I'm not doing that. And you grind and you're really like, like against the wall and, and like camp brought me there. And so to me, I'm really like thankful that I had that moment. Like not cause I won the fight or I lost it or I gained fans or I, I you know, the boys started believing in me or whatever it was like, just because it pushed me to my limit, and and it was, I, I honestly think that's why we're on on the planet, like to to live those moments. So if you don't ever get to experience something like that, you haven't lived. So to me, it was it was that's how high this moment was. You know, my fight against Brashear was something special. You know, my fight against Jenny was something special. Like I, I have a few moments in my life where I was really pushed against the wall and like this is one of the top one in my life so yeah it was it was something special no that fight yeah that fight was awesome man that was yeah was there ever a fight where um you know and you don't have to say the guy's name if you know whatever but um was there ever a fight when you were fighting a guy and he like completely bailed like he was kind of basically yelling at the refs to get in did you ever have that uh no, I mean maybe, but I I I don't remember honestly. I don't want to say yes. I, I don't think so. No, like it was just yeah. You know, I, I've had guys hide and not want to find me. That happened, you know, every once in a while, but not in the middle of a fight. No. <clears throat> All right, I was just uh, I was just wondering that as as we were sitting there talking about because uh, like I said that fight with Jadson like I said watching it over again like you're both basically telling the refs to stay out of it and uh, oh fuck yeah yeah well I, and they did too that was the cool thing oh dude. listen dude going back to what I was telling you when I was starting to fight okay and that's just me analyzing and watching too much fight okay <laughs> and you you'll see that me going lefty when I was standing in juniors and I could tell in the guy's face, oh, fuck, okay? Jenny, Jenny pushing the ref back like he was doing, he was doing it so obvious, I bet you, and I never asked him that, but I bet you he was doing it so the other guy who was fighting was like, oh, fuck, he's not done. You know what I mean? Yep. So Jenny doing that, and if you watch that fight, Jenny does it, but I do it right fucking back. I'm not letting him win that fight. Like, oh, yeah, you're not done. I'm not fucking done. I'm going again, right? So so to me, that was that was one of Jenny's things. I never asked him that. I would love to ask him that question. If you have him on your podcast again, ask him if it was a mental thing or if he actually wanted the rest to stay out. I bet you it was a mental thing. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like the visual of it, right? Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's all it is, man. I yeah. was not doing that for the show. I don't think he was doing that for the show. I don't think he cared about the rest. He knew the rest were not coming. You're throwing haymakers, man. Like, we're not coming in. He was doing that to piss the other guy off or to scare him. I bet you, man. Yeah. But anyway, That's actually we'll ask him. I'll, you ask him next time he's on your show, bud. I will. I, I totally will. Yeah. 
Um, <coughs> well, um, the following year, um, you, you, you play, you play two games. You start, you, you play the two games, uh, in New Jersey or with New Jersey, and then you're in Albany again for the rest of the year. Yeah. How frustrating was that? That was awful. That that was a year where I um, I did not want to be in the minors. And you know the worst part of it is, um, yeah, I, I thought I finished the year strong. I had a great summer training. I thought I was ready to be like to get established. You know that was that was the hardest part. Well, it's it's but interesting. Not, it didn't work out. Well, when you go down to Albany, you have like you have your biggest penalty minute year ever, 334. And it's like, I was watching those fights and you're like wrecking dudes this year. Like you always had good yeah. fights and you would win most of them and stuff. But this year you went on that run with like Convoy, Bully Race, Morasti, and like Carl Sneep and like Schnell, Clarks. Like you're dropping these guys. And like, like was this your biggest, like in terms of like fight year success wise, do you feel? Like you were like a force this year I, watching those fights. Yeah, I I I feel like I was um I feel like I was dominant yeah. that year. Yeah. Um I was like I said, I was in the best shape of my life. I was confident, I was you know, and I and I was mad. Like I was a little mad that I was fighting in the minors instead of fighting in the NHL. Because I had a taste of it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, if I had a chance to go back and if I knew what I know now, and that's something I learned later in my career, like the, the, um, the American league is for a lot of guys, it's the NHL, you know, it's their top. It's that's all they're going to ever taste. Right. Like, like Eric Nielsen kind of guy, like, like this is it. And I did not appreciate being in the American league enough but maybe the, like to me it was a matter of like i wanted more i wanted to move up i wanted more and more and more i wanted to be better right so i wish i appreciated that year more than i actually did um because i feel like if i appreciated it i would have been back in the nhl and i would have been able to reestablish or establish myself for good but it never happened um I don't know why. Maybe because I didn't want to be there, like I said, and I, I thought I should have been in the NHL. I was a little bit of a, I was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a bitch. Like I, I, I should have been enjoying where I was instead of wanting to be somewhere else. But that's it. But you are really honest. Am I? Am I honest or what? Yeah. So, well, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's it's you know some self reflection is always a good thing. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you guys had a tough team, man. You well, I, oh, well, yeah. you had a tough team, but <laughs> well, yeah, Rob Davison, you had Harry Young, yep, but yep, like you said, that character, that Robitaille character, is there with his two hundred and forty-six minutes. How how Buddy, many of your three hundred and thirty-four minutes did he cause, dude? Okay, thank you. You know the fucking game, dude. Louis was the, so it was Louis Robitaille was probably half of my pens. The other pins were my goalie, Jeff Razy, dude. You would start shit with one minute left, and we were winning or losing by six goals. 
and he would have a guy who would break in front of him and it would fucking spear him starting a brawl and obviously I'm on the ice and I would get a fight. I had so many fights in the last five minutes because of them. I had I had my goalie and I had Louis who were starting shit left and right all the time. It was unbelievable. And I, I how many pimps? Three fifty I had that year? Uh three thirty. It was a lot, man. Yeah. Three thirty four, it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot of fighting because of those two guys. But again, like I, I loved them. Love fucking loved them. They were like they were they were pushing me to get better, and that to me that was huge. You know, uh, I loved playing with Louis. It was my lineie. We would drive to the rink together every day, and, and like I would tell him, like, dude, not tonight. Just fucking not tonight. I was like, okay. And then sure enough, first shift, he would fucking run the goalie on the other side. I was like, fuck, here we go. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. I love that. I miss that shit. But yeah, it, it, it was one of those years, man. You you nailed it when you, you said three fifty pens. How many was were because of Louis? At least two hundred. At least. <laughs> well, what I I will. Well, you fought Wrecker a million times that year. You fought Zach Fitzgerald a bunch of times. Um, yep. Uh, Justin Johnson. Uh, one of the guys that comes up. Um, and he's got the huge rep, had a great NHL career, big guy. He was playing in Syracuse, was big earn, Brian McGratton. Yeah. What was it like fighting him? That was scary. Yeah. You know, go back to the with the names you dropped earlier, the kid Brennan, the, the Brennan Sugden. Like, big earn was one notch above that. Like, he was the fucking man. And, um, you know, I told you I watched every every one of Cam Jensen's fight, and he fought he fought McGrattan when he was in uh, Ottawa, and I was actually at the game. It was one of my first year. My buddies were in town. I was like, let's just fucking go to a game. And I called New Jersey. They gave us tickets. And I felt like the king, you know. And and sure enough, fucking Jenny fought McGrattan. And I want to. I I don't want to say Jenny got his ass kicked, but. It did not look good from up there, and I, and, you know, that was a scary fight. And sure enough, when I when I got to Syracuse and fucking McGrathen was there, oh, that was that was a, that was not a fight I was looking forward to. And I think I did good. I don't want to say I won that fight or I lost it. I think it was, you know, it was two two big boys going at it and and surviving. But dude, I I you know in the mental part of it when I keep going back to it. I don't think I phased that guy. I felt like he was just standing there throwing and he did not give a fuck about who he was fighting against. I felt like he made me feel like I was just another obstacle, another rock in his way, and he was just going to get through me. Like, that's all I felt the whole time. He was that fucking scary. Like, in my book. You know, and well, I, I had a lot strong. of people like, was just was. so yeah. strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he 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 fucking you he, he was such a tough guy. Yeah. And he's done he's done a lot of he had probably he probably had a thousand couple hundred couple thousand pems in the NHL too, right? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was around for a while. He was, yeah. Well, so you finally the the following year you're done with the New Jersey organization and you get traded to Calgary. Or did you get traded or did you sign with Calgary? How did that work out? I was traded. Yes. I was traded, yeah. Was that, um, like, it's always like, oh, well, it's, you know, you hate to leave, but, you know, you're going somewhere where you wanted and all that sort of cliches that people throw around. What was your feeling when you found out you were going to Calgary? 
Oh, dude, it was so fucking weird. Um, again, if I if I knew what I knew, right? If I knew what I know, um, I I I would have. I don't want to say I was hoping for a trade, but I was I was unhappy where I was simply because I played in the minors all year, um, and I felt like I should have been in the NHL, right? Yeah. Um, where I, I I should have had a different mindset and I should have been better but whatever um so when the call came it was bittersweet it was like finally i can go somewhere else and start fresh but it was also i was there drafted in 04 and treated in what in 11 so it was seven years in the system i you know i knew everybody was comfortable so it was a lot of emotions first time trade and getting traded you know um so I also had a new girlfriend in Albany um, that I didn't know if I, you know, what was going to happen. So there was a lot, a lot going on, and um, dude, it, it was, it was very. Um, I'm very thankful that I was treated there because Calgary was probably my favorite place that I ever played. Um, it was, it was, it was very welcoming. The fans are unbelievable. I got to play for a Canadian team. Um, you know, if I was traded to Phoenix, uh, you know, it would have been different. <laughs> but I got to play in Calgary, even if it was just a few games. Um, you know, playing in Canada was was unbelievable. I, I yeah, I was very very blessed that that it happened that way. Um, and yeah, when Luke called me and he was like, you know, again, it was just very professional about it. It was nothing you know, that he could have done any different. I was like, Pierre, you know, an opportunity came and somebody was asking about you and we decided to, to, to let you go and you've been traded to Calgary. They're going to contact you in the next, you know, few hours and we just want to thank you and good luck for everything. And if you need anything in the future, let me know. And I was like, holy shit, that was a lot of information. Can we go back? Can we go back? That was it. And, and hang up and... Next thing you know, it's uh, it's Jay Feaster from Calgary calling you, and uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Getting traded was uh, was 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 different. And I was in Quebec City with my girlfriend, who, who was you know established in Albany back then. And like, yeah, hey, what do you want to do? You want to follow me and live the, live the the hockey life, the hockey dream, or you know, you want to break up? And uh, she ended up following me, and you know, now she's my wife. We have two kids, and we're living together, and we're happy. So um, that's all it was. It was crazy, man. But then you go in a new organization, you got to prove yourself all over again, and that was that was pretty tough. Well, this is also the second time you played for Brett Sutter, too. Right. So I, yeah, I knew that he was a big part of it. Right. He liked me as a player. He liked me as a fighter, and. I knew that, that I was walking in there and he, at least the management knew what I could do. Right. Um, it, well, and it's funny cause looking at the roster and I remember, I remember at that time period when you went to Calgary and you had such, like we said, you had such a strong year lap the year before in Albany, like just smoking guys. And it's like, Oh, he's got to make the flames. Cause it's like, you look at the roster and the flames really, and especially for a setter team, they didn't really have that guy. They didn't have a heavyweight. I mean, they had Tim Jackman, but I mean, I wouldn't. You no, know, I'm not. A, I'm not knocking Tim Jackman at all. But he's not a heavyweight fighter. Like he's no, not no, a he's class not. enforcer, right? So were you no, surprised? He's not. I mean, he knows that. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I was surprised. But you know what happened is I, 
Well, Jesus Christ, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I that's the year Brandon Shanahan took the the the, the player. What is what is what's the role? The oh, yeah, player, player security, player safety. Player safety. And uh, you, you saw me fight, and you know, in the last seven years, fight Matt Claxton about six or seven times, and we played. We probably played 40 games against each other, and it's very dirty and it's physical. And in training camp that year, I, I went and I went to hit Claxon. And if you watch the video, buddy, I'll fucking tell you what I told Shannon that day. Claxon turned his back. He got the puck on the wing as on a breakout, and he turned his back, like you know, like like I don't know why to protect himself or whatnot, and. I went to hit him. I was gonna crush him. I was flying, and I went to hit him with my, with you know, with my hands up and hands on my chest. And as he's turning, I jumped and I went over him. I literally cut the guy down like he was underneath me. I never touched him because I protected him. I don't want to fucking crush him from behind. Like I'm not that guy. And I went over him, and he fell. But I did not hit the fucking guy. And they gave me six-game suspension for that. If you watch that clip, and I guarantee if you call Claxon, I don't know if he's going to remember. It probably won't because it never happened. But I never hit the fucking guy. He didn't miss a beat, didn't miss a shift. Nothing happened. But because it looked like I jumped at his head, right, they gave me six games. And uh, that's what killed me. Well, I think that's what killed me in, in Calgary, right? Like, I, I'm suspended for six games, so now... Everybody else can take my job, right? Um, you know, they had, they had Tom Kostopoulos, who was a much better player than I was. <laughs> and Tim Zagman was a much better player, too, and he was a big boy. So, I don't know. They felt like they had what they needed there. And I never I never had a chance to get back in the lineup, and, and that was it. I went back in the minors, and, again, I was not in a great place mentally. I was just like, you know, I, sh I should be in the NHL. You know, same thing as last year. And, and when I was in minors, like I, I felt like I should have been in the NHL. It's just the wrong mindset. And again, if I knew if I knew then what I know now, I I, I would have changed it. But but unfortunately, you know. yeah, like you said, then you you of course you you finished the year in Abbot. <coughs> Pardon me, in Abbotsford. Um, yeah. How'd you enjoy Abbotsford? I mean, again, it's the American Loved League. You, you know, I get it, but you know, in terms of just with the team and the area, I mean, that's a beautiful. Loved area. it. Yeah, loved it, man. Right outside Vancouver, I had a, we had a great team. We were winning a lot of games. Uh, dude, our coach Troy Ward was very tough on the players, but he was honest and he he pushed us. He made us better. Right, um, reminded me a lot of uh, coaches I had in the past that really would like. You know, get you going. Like, yeah. and, and, um, I, I, I really wish we won, uh, that year. You know, I was only on a few teams that had a shot, right? At winning the cup, whether it was in the, the, the UHL that one year, um, in the NHL in New Jersey, um, or, or like in the HL, like that was one of the year where I felt like we had a shot, right? And, uh, it didn't happen, and dude, it sucked because we we had I had Ryder Ivanov on the team, a tough guy. Uh, Guillaume Debien was there with me, tough, like real tough, real skilled, but real tough guy. Um, and dude, we were just we were we were tight. The wives, the girlfriends were tight. Like we had a great group. It was fun, and uh, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't make it happen. It sucked. 
Um, well, you just play the one year in Calgary, and then the next year, um, like, did Anaheim comes calling. Yeah. But, unfortunately, uh, you end up playing the season in Norfolk. Um, uh, did, did they, what was that? Like, did you have a lot of offers at that point, or? Uh, um, I, I, that was the lockout here, so. What happened in Abbotsford or Calgary? What happened in Calgary is I also I, I I hurt my shoulder, so the whole year my shoulder was fucked. So I would I was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And at the end of the year, I probably one of the last game I fought Nolan Youngman, big boy, and I want to say I, I don't know if I knocked him out or if he fell again, but I was holding on so tight with my left hand. You know, a 300-pound guy fell backwards, ripped my shoulder out. So I had a shoulder surgery, labrum surgery that, that summer. I was out for six months, and it was a lockout, so it didn't really matter. But when the lockout was over, I ended up, yeah, getting that call from uh, from Anaheim. Uh, like, I didn't want to sign when I was hurt. I was waiting for the lockout to be over, right, see where the players were going. And um, I ended up going to Anna. Um, and I honestly don't remember if I was getting a lot of calls. One thing that I can tell you is I remember very well my agent telling me that Montreal was calling. And I wish so bad that I was going to sign in Montreal, right? Like, that was, you know, I, I grew up I grew up in Quebec. Like, that, that would have been, you know, unbelievable if I had a chance to play there. But, no, man, it, it didn't happen. And, Going to Anaheim was like, yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, you're gonna go, you're gonna go play where Paul Carrier and and Tim Mussolini played forever. <laughs> like, I, I want to be there. So that was that was pretty cool. I didn't make the team. I ended up in Norfolk, but it was uh, no, it was it was a cool training camp. It was a fun experience. I loved every minute of it. What was it like playing for Trent Yanni? Loved it, dude. Do you know him? You talk about him like you know him. Fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. I loved him. He was, he was, he gave me, so at the first, just go back on the last two years, right? I was mad that I was not in New Jersey. I was disappointed I was not in fucking um, Calgary. And then I end up, I end up over there and Trent is there. And he literally gave me a different perspective. I absolutely loved playing for him. He made me feel like I was a stud. He made me feel like I was a leader. He made me feel like I should be at the ring more often. I should work harder. Like he totally got me. Like he, he put, he, he could, I don't know if he ran me or if it just like the way our, 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 we work together, but he was an absolute fucking great coach. I loved him. Loved him. Yeah, he's from Saskatoon here. So, yeah, I've met him a couple of times. Way oh, back. really? Yeah, oh, yeah. God. Tell, tell, tell him I said hi when he's seeing me. He might not fucking remember me. I, I played, what, 30 games for him? But, dude, I, I absolutely love the guy. Yeah, I think he's the uh, I think he's the assistant coach in L.A. with the Kings now. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, well, yeah. on that team, well, you meet up with your old boy, Rose Hill. He's on the team. And yeah. Patty, Patty Maroon's on the team. <laughs> yeah. What was, the big, oh what was the big rig? What was Maroon like? Oh, Jesus Christ. Patrick, Patrick didn't want to be there. 
I don't think I don't think he wanted to be in Norfolk that year. Um, so he was he was he was kind of miserable. Um, but Jay Jay was it was great to get to know him because it was the first time I ever played with a guy that I fought in the past. All right, so I got there and. Um, I started playing in Norfolk and I, dude, I had a game with like two goals, one assist or one goal, two assists. And Jay had like two goals and two assists. We had, we fucking crushed it. And like two weeks later, Jay got traded to, uh, to Philly and he signed a two year deal at like right away. And I was like, holy shit. So we could get back in the NHL here. <laughs> this is possible. And, uh, but yeah, Jay was great. Um, who else was on that team? Rob Pelly, Nate Gannon. Oh, geez. We, we had, we had, we had some really good veterans. I, I had a, you know, it, it sucked because we, oh, Bertie Ryan Perron was there. Um, we had so many good veterans, but the team wasn't really good. And we missed the playoff, um, that year by like two points. It came down to the last game. If we won in Providence kind of thing. If we won in Providence and a team lost, we were in and we ended up winning. We won in Providence and the other team tied or won, something like that. So we missed the playoffs by one or two points. It was unbelievable. Yeah, you did have an older team. You had Troy Bodie and Jordan Henry. and Yeah, dude, unbelievable. What a great trip. Thanks for doing this, man. You're, you're taking me all over the place. I fucking love this. Oh, yeah. We're going, well, now we're off to Wilkesbury. You spend a couple seasons there. Okay. But, of course, you, again, you signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins that year. Um, and you go to Penguins camp. You, you run into that Crosby kid again. Did he remember you from back in the day? Yeah. Do you think he did? Oh, I would think he would. You played that many times. Yeah. Yeah, but why would he give a shit about a guy like me, dude? He's been he's been in the NHL for ten years at that point. Well, he's probably got your friggin' uh, stick across the wrist. He's probably still got the marks where he's trying to go wide on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's my Crosby story for you, and I wish I had more like that. First day of training camp, I'm you know I'm a veteran at that time, so I know how to fucking do it. So I get there early at training camp, and I, I get on the bike and I start warming up, and you know the young guy. And I'm new, right? I'm new on the team, so I don't know the guys in the minors. I don't know guys in the NHL. I don't know many people, right? So um, I'm I'm on the bike next to a couple younger guys, and um, across the the hallway, fucking Crosby walks in. And, uh, he's going to the, 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 to the, the, the trainer's room and, but he's, he looks over and he sees me and he's like, he gives me one of those, like, frowns his eyes and, and he fucking beelines and he comes right to the bike, like, crosses the gym and he comes right to me and he's like, Hey, you're Pierre, right? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? All I can remember is how much I hated the fucking guy because when I played against him, he scored seven points on a fucking, <laughs> on a game, right? So I'm like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, nice to meet you, right? Obviously I know he is. And he's like, he says hi to the other kids and this and that. And he comes back to me. And he's like, hey, it's nice to have you on our side this time, right? And I'm like, thanks, man. Right? Like, did not have to do that. Did not, did not owe me that. Did not like this. This is how he fucking a captain welcomed me to his fucking locker room. 
I was a guy 10 years ago who played against him, to your point, was trying to stick him, hit him, and fucking push him all the time. And now I'm on his team, and he walks in, and looks over, and he fucking beeline, didn't have to do that, and comes and says, like, this is the kind of guy he was to me. Like, And, and I again, I, I, I played one game with him. Like, I, I fucking, he doesn't owe me anything, but... He took the time to do that. So to me, when people ask me about Crosby, I fucking hate him in juniors because he, he embarrassed us. But when I when I can, if you ask me about how he was as a leader and as a like a captain, like he was unfucking believable. I have so much respect for the kid, man. I I never thought I would say that. My first ten years of playing hockey, right after juniors and stuff, I hated him for ten years, and in one minute, just like that, everything fucking changed. Like I was, I was like starstruck. Like, fucking guy is for real. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, he's on the Hall of Famer. Yeah. So, well, that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. Did uh, did you, did you did Mario show up at all? Did you ever have a chance to talk to Mario? I, I ran into him, but, I, I got, yeah, I didn't talk to him. No. I was, I, was, I was going on the ice, and he was walking by us, and like, he was all in a suit, and... I was not going to stop. I was I was going on the ice for practice, and that was the only time I ran into him. I was such a big dude. Like, I was such a fan of Mario. He was such an absolute fucking legend back home, right? Like, he he, he was, he still is. Like, he's the man. But no, I, I never, I would have, I would have asked him to sign my stick or something. Like, that's how crazy it would have got. <laughs> dude, I don't think anybody would have blamed you getting Mario to sign something. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, I can do. Well, that year you kind of um, <clears throat> you so you go down to Wilkesbury, and I've always heard uh, like Wilkesbury is just an amazing place to play in terms of uh, yeah, like the crowds just like nuts, and like down in the American League, that barn's always rocking, and they treat you guys great. Um, how was your experience for the two years in Wilkesbury? Yeah, it's exactly like that. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, we had, first we had a great team. Um, great coaches. John Hines was the coach. Alan Azruddin, the assistant. Um, the, like the, the, the management was unbelievable. The, the leadership group we had, um, you know, I mentioned him earlier, but Tom Kostopoulos, who, who's one of the only guys with like 600 games in the NHL in the American League, six and six, right? That's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably has 3,000 fans or close to that. You know, he's unbelievable. Um, he was our captain. Like, we we had such a good group. And, and in, of that group, like, my two years there, we had guy. We had Matt Murray. We had uh, Rust. We had um, Jesus, Sherry. We had Kapanen. We had, like, so many guys who became, like, NHL stars. Uh, Dumoulin was there with us. Like, we had so many guys. Like, we literally had, we produced, that year produced so many NHL, like, established guys. It was unbelievable. Um, so, you know, you don't become an NHL guy by if you're an asshole. Like, we had a good group of young guys, and we had a good group of veterans, and it was so freaking cool. So that year is where I really... Started when I, you know what I said earlier, where the the American League can be your NHL. Like that's where I was like, all right, man, I'm happy here. Like I'm 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 happy to be here. I'm happy here. I'm gonna go all out and like I stopped being like feeling 
sorry for myself. Like then, and that's where I really enjoyed being there. And man, we had we had a good run. We 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 lost in the third round of one year, and I think in the second round, the second year. But it was it was one of those teams where I felt like we should have won. You know. Yeah. And that was that. So, but a lot of fighting in those in those years too. Holy shit. Yeah, well, actually, one fight I wanted to bring up, and I forgot to bring it up when you were in Norfolk, because um, he was just a rookie at the time, um, and it was actually your first fight of the year in Norfolk, was against Brett Gallant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pound for pound, man. That He's still going. He's still fighting. He's in Cleveland this year. I know. So, so I know, dude. I went to a game last week. I went to a game in Rochester. Um they made me pay for my tickets, those fucking assholes. <laughs> did, you, did you not give them the, do you know who I am? Do you keep one of your hockey uh, cards in your wallet? And you're just like, come on. I brought, I brought my, uh, the, the hockey team that I coach here. And we had a tournament in Roch. And as I looked at the schedule, I saw they were playing. So I was like, I'm bringing the boys. So I bought, I bought 34 tickets. And um, I looked at the lineup in Rochester. I was like, fuck, I don't know anybody. And then I looked at the lineup in, in Cleveland, and I was like, I don't know anybody. And I was like, wait a minute, I know that guy. <laughs> Brett Gallon was the only fucking guy I knew, the tough guy. Oh, I, was like, I thought it was awesome. I was like, there's no shot. There's no fight happening tonight. You know, Nobody's going to fight him. No. Has he been fighting at all? No. He, I still, like, the... I mean, he's obviously a room guy and everything because it's like, oh, a guy fights like twice a year, like destroys both yeah. guys, and then like no one comes near him, you know. But oh, he's been there for he's been in Cleveland for like six years, you know, and it's just like they keep resigning him, you know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I don't want to say easy money because that sounds rude, but it's just like, you know, I don't know, he's probably getting sixty five, and it's just like, you know, for two fights, I mean, that's pretty good, I'd say. But yeah, him and his brother. His brother's a bad dude too, Alex. He's in Abbotsford. That guy's like just he smokes guys too. It's like Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Gallant boys. It's like Yeah. Well, and then he plays this one game in the NHL and he drops Matt Cassian and his only fight drops the guy. You know? Gallant's a bad dude, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're tough kids. Brett 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 was uh pound for pound, I think, the toughest guy I fought. Well, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, in your first fight in Wilkes-Barre, that's who you fight, is Gallant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, don't, I honestly don't remember that fight, but I, I can tell you, like, he, he could hit, like, you know, he was, yeah, like a, a ton of brick, man. He was, he was very legit. I don't recall ever seeing him throwing a cheap shot. He knew when the guy was beat and he would stop, and... I had a lot of respect for him, but I hated I hated to have to fight that guy because he was he was a tiny little guy that would fucking kill you, like he would hurt you, like that's that's how he was. He was a tight only man, like he was that that size, like he would look like nothing, but then bam, <laughs> yeah. see you later, knock everybody out. Like I I I really have a lot of respect for him. I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys, but like he's on that list, man. He's he's a tough motherfucker, and I'm I'm I was pumped to see he was still playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, another guy I got to ask you about. You fought him in Wilkesbury, and I mean, basically a mountain with arms. 
was Big Mac, Steve McIntyre. Oh, yeah. Did I find Mac? Yes, you did. I don't remember that. But, yeah, I met I met Big Mac in training camp that year in Pittsburgh. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, what a great guy. Such a nice, such a, such a gentleman. Like, people, the boys loved him. And uh, I do not remember our fight, so did I do okay? <laughs> well, you got busted up a little bit, and yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah you took a couple. You you, you zigged uh, when you should have zagged. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right, that's fair. No, I I I, I love them. He was he was a big motherfucker. Well, I was gonna so say strong. like at, like like you're listed in this at six two two twenty. Like, are you legitimately six yeah. two? Six one and a half, yeah. Six yeah. Two. yeah, but I mean, you're fight, like McIntyre six six, legitimately. He's a big boy. Yeah. Well, how yeah. do you fight that? Like, I mean, what's the game plan there? Like, you can't. He's going to try to string you out. Obviously, obviously, you got to try yeah. to get in. Like, yeah, for a guy like me, honestly, there's no winning that fight. No, there's nothing I could do. There's nothing. I, I I could I could get lucky and like maybe try to get in and block his right arm and hope that he switches left and then maybe I can take those punches but like no there's there's no way I'm I'm not going into that fight thinking about winning it like I'm I'm trying to survive honestly that's the, that's the, the the very truth man I, there's fights where I know I'm gonna win there's fights where I'm gonna do everything I can to win. I'm not trying to fight Big Mac and and win. <laughs> it's a bad, it's a bad idea. Another fight I want to ask you about because you fought him twice. He was a young guy. Um, was Dylan McElrath? Yeah, yeah. I um, no, I, I I I didn't think he was. Uh, I didn't think he was tough. Honestly, I I, I didn't. Nothing against him, but he was young. Yeah, um, I think he got better. I think he got better and tougher as uh, the years went. Um, but back then, I, I I was in a place where I not to be cocky or anything, but I I I it didn't phase me. I was like, oh, I got him. Come on, bring it. You know. Uh, but he he's obviously he's a big boy, and he was a much better hockey player. He should have been fighting me. This guy shouldn't fight me. He should have been playing hockey. Wasn't he a first-round pick? He was, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, like, this guy, if he was fighting me, I was winning, no matter what. Whether I win the fight or lose the fight, dude, I'm taking one of their best players off the ice. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, when you end up in 2015-16, you, in you're back in Albany. Were you surprised to sign back there? No, I was very happy because I was dating my now wife, right? Yeah. I was, I was, well, we were married. I think we got married then in 14, something like that. So we were married and we had a, we had a kid. That's right. We had Luke back then in 16. Holy cow. We're already in 16. So my son was born in 14. So signing back here was awesome because I knew I was towards the end of my career. Um, we had Luke. Um, so we, we ended up renting an apartment. My wife took back a job and, uh, we were living in Albany. And honestly, I, that's where I wanted to play. Like, like what you just said about that guy has been in, in Cleveland for what, six years. I was, I was hoping to do that for in, in Albany for six, seven, eight years. 
I was hoping to sign a cheap contract, easy money, work work my ass off, be happy, fight when I have to fight, and just, you know, live the dream, man, for a few more years. Because, like I said, I was happy. Like, the American League was making me happy at that point. I was proud to be there. I, I, I understood how hard and how tough and how strong of a hockey league it was. And, uh, yeah, the, the fucking team moved two years later. But so I was happy to be back. The coach was Rick Kowalski, was my coach in trend, my second year pro in the East Coast. Yep. Great guy. Love them. Um, you know, I, I it was there was a lot of good things in Albany that year. I was happy to be back. Rod Pally was our captain, guy I played with in Norfolk. I played with him in Jersey. I played with him for like eight of my 14 years pro. I played with Rod. Um, we had a great group. I loved it. And I, I really wanted it to last forever, but uh, yeah, that was it. I got a one year con- and the management. So John Hines was in Jersey. Now we had uh, Fitzgerald was the assistant GM. Um, so so all the guys from Wilkesbury were now here. So I was like, oh, I'm in a good spot, right? And uh, yeah, only lasted one year, man. There was not a lot of fighting that year either. It was a uh, a few, but it was not as crazy as it used to be. So I knew it was I was going I was towards the end. Yeah, well, the following year, like you said, you you signed back you signed at Syracuse. Um, so you're, yeah, you're staying in the area, but it's like, did you kind of at that point know that was it? That was it. Yeah, because Syracuse was uh, the when when Albany didn't want to sign me back because they were moving on, um, and Syracuse offered me a one year one way contract, American League contract. I was like, I'll take it because I was not ready to retire, and my wife was pregnant, and we were two hours, two and a half hours away, so she wouldn't work, and she had the she had Luke, our kid, and I could travel. So if I needed to come home after practice, I would be home by four, you know, hang out with the family, put Luke to bed, and and then I would drive back to Syracuse in the morning for practice or for game, whatever it was. It was hard, but it was it was doable. You know, but the the real life got hit me really fast. Like I was like, okay, now I gotta move on. I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do next. And uh, that was it. And, you know, and then I got loaned to Toronto. And when my daughter was born, my daughter was three weeks old. We got traded to Toronto, so we had to live the last three months of the season in a hotel room downtown Toronto with a dog. My wife had a two and a half year old with Luke and my daughter was three weeks old. And when I was on the road, she had to take the dog down with the baby in the stroller and a fucking two and a half year old. It was a monster. She had to go up and down the hotel room three times a, a, a day. Like it was awful. Like it was not enjoyable at all. So we were both, we had so many good years, you know, between Calgary, Abbotsford, Wilkesbury, Norfolk, right? Back in Albany, we had so many good years. That year, we were so miserable, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're fucking done. We're done. And sure enough, like, that was it. Like, uh, the next year, I, I don't remember if I had a, a contract offer. Uh, I think I did, but it was like, for peanuts, like like when I say peanuts, it's still good money, but it was not enough for me to justify it going away. Yeah, you know, so that was it. That's on the career, and then, and, um, well, not quite because I had one more fight after that. 
Well, you had you know? well, you had one more one more kind of season after that. In 2019, you, you know, you stay out of the game for a couple of years, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting on the fight site one time or on Twitter, and somebody sends me a thing. They're like, "You're never going to guess, PL3 is going to the LNAH." I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah he signed with Laval, man." And all of a sudden, there you yeah. are playing in Laval, the LNAH. Um, you know, with Patrick Bordalo on the team, and it's just like, yeah. And and I mean, you came out swinging, and it was just like. What got you to play in the LNA? Like, they, come out of retirement they, and play in the LNA. They bothered me. They bothered me every year. Why? Well, yeah, all year long, I would get a call every all the time, all the time, and I kept telling them, "Call me next year." Like right now, I'm not ready. I'm not in the mood for that. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And that year, when they reached out, I was like, "You know what, man? I'm." Not I'm I'm not bored. I love what I do for a living, right? Like I, I have a great career now. I'm I am I, I love what I do. But I, I you know you're always looking for a challenge, right? And and I was like after two and a half, three years of being retired, I was like, you know what? I fucking mess it. Let's go. And and I just dove right back in and I and it was I told them my terms. I said, I'm going to drive up the day of the game on Friday. I'm going to play Friday, Saturday, and I'm back. Right? Or if there's no game Saturday, I'm going to play Friday, and then I'm driving back. It, it was three and a half hours. It was easy. You know, so it, it worked out. And, um, man, you dropped, you dropped uh, some names, but, like, I was not there to fight. Like I, I had, I had that uh, Bordeaux, and I had Chris Lucci, who's an absolute legend in that league, right? And yeah. uh, they were they were taking the fights, and uh, again, I was just there to play, and, and I got a few tells, you know, but that was not they were not expecting that from me, and I was very clear about it, and they were very good about it, like I. I told them I, I will not come here to fight twice a night. Like I will not. I need my face. I gotta go show houses tomorrow and I can't I got deals to work on, like I, I'm not fighting. And obviously I got in a few fights. I think I got like what, five or six. Um Yeah, you got into, like you, I got had, eight, you got into eight actually. Yeah. Did I get eight? Well I was gonna say you fought oh, David LaCroix in the same twice in the same game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, there, there's so many tough guys in that league, and it's 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 not underrated. Like everybody knows, it's a tough league, but like, holy cow, the guys do it for no money. They they just they do it because they they fucking love it. Like it, it was it was it was something else, and I was not in the I was not in a in a kill in a killer mindset anymore. It was hard for me. Like there, there was a lot of guys that could have crushed me in that league because I, I was a, I was a, I was washed up. Like basically, I, I didn't have the fire in me anymore, and um, they were tougher and and they wanted it more than me. So it was dangerous for me to be there. Let me put it that way. You know, it doesn't matter how tough you. I was when I was playing. Like I, I if you don't have it in you anymore, like you shouldn't be doing it. Especially well, with guys that know what, what they're doing. Well, you get Thomas Belmar and guys like that, and Hamill and stuff. Yeah. And well, and you're a big, yeah. and you're and you're the the name. You're the guy they want on the yeah. card, right? The NHL guy, yeah, the ex NHL so, AHL tough guy. If they could say they took yeah. a round out of you, I mean, that's what they're going for. 
So I mean, yeah, you would definitely be have a have a target. But um, yeah, so you go and do that. You play in the in the crazy Quebec League there, and then uh, out of the blue, once again, all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, uh, LeBlanc's playing in Trois Rivières at the Lions in the East Coast League, <laughs> and 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 you, you you throw a hit and tilt in your first shift after a few Money. years, like, what are we doing here? Like you just you're ready to you're turning the clock back. You're ready to rock and roll or what? Oh, dude, listen that that shift right there. You know, like the the, the hockey gods gave me one more shift, man, and yeah. that was it. I and I, I told you I didn't want to talk about it, but I didn't, so I don't want to talk about it. But like my last game in the North American League, the the Canadian the Quebec League. You know, like what happened and the guy pulling a gun on me, it's all, it's in the news. You can see it, but like I was, that was a fucking scary moment for me. And I don't want to be part of anything anymore. I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't want to play hockey anymore. Right. But that's not how you want to retire. You know, you don't want to retire with a scary story like that. And you know, I, I just, that was it. Like, like I was done. But like when I got that call, I did everything I could not to go play. Okay, like, they were like, here, we need a guy. Because I live in Albany, and they were playing in Vance Falls, which is an hour away. So, like, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna find a guy for you. Um, I made eight phone calls. Nobody could go. The guys were out of town. Guys were playing. Guys who played college, right? Like, I was just trying to get a guy who was gonna fill in for that team. Because uh, they had COVID cases and shit like that. So, Long story short, I called uh, I called <laughs> the, their coach and I was like, I can't find anyone. They're like, "Well, you're gonna play then, right?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, we need you." I'm like, sure, all right, whatever. I'll come up. I'll put a jersey on. I'm not playing. I'm just gonna be there. And uh, I did my physical in the morning. Um, I go through morning skate. I'm dying, man. I'm I'm out of shape, right? I'm not out of shape, but I'm like I'm not in game shape. So so. <laughs> The practice is over, and I look at, at uh, my boy Mathieu, who, who I played with in Syracuse the year before, and I'm like, dude, like I, I'm so happy I'm not playing. He's like, what? He's like, you're playing. I'm like, no, I'm not playing tonight. Like, I'm I'm gonna be the tenth forward. I'm I'm not gonna play. I'm just gonna sit there and watch the game, right? He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. He's like, we have three guys who were just called up from, like, University Hockey in Montreal because we have too many COVID cases. The three guys who never played a pro game. So he's like, you're ahead of those guys. You're playing. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Right? So I get, again, to my, like, same story as earlier. I'm like, I start looking at the top guys on the other side. I'm like, somebody's got to come for me. They have they have one guy, Carrier, but I played with him. I know he's not coming from So I'm like, okay. I'm good. So I go back to the hotel with the team. I eat my pregame meal. I feel like a pro again, right? And then I go in my lock in, in, in my hotel room and I'm like, I pull my computer out. I'm, I'm working, right? So I work for like two hours, real work stuff, like emails and, and negotiating deals and shit like that. And then I go back to the ring, put my suit on. I call a couple of friends. I'm like, dude, I guess I'm playing tonight. So I get back to the rink. I get, I walk in the locker room and I see my name. I'm on the third line. Right, and there's a ten forward, so I'm not the ten forward. I'm like, dude, I'm still trying to fight it. I'm like, ah, oh, he's just doing that to be respectful. Like, there's no fucking one playing, right? So game starts, first line goes on. They start the game, 
And then the second line, you know, they switch, and then coach is right behind me, and he's like, all right, whatever the names, right? He's like, he's like George, Mike, and LeBlanc, you're up. And I look up, I look behind me, and I'm like, okay, like, who do I got, right? And remember, hockey shift is 30 seconds, right? So those guys go on. Ten seconds later, the coach says, LeBlanc, you're up. So I have 20 seconds to figure out who's playing left wing. Right? Because I don't know those fucking guys. And until that point, I don't know if I'm playing. So I look back, I'm like, like, who do I got? Who do I take? He's like, he's like, you got, you got Thibodeau. I'm like, who the fuck is Thibodeau? What's his number? He's like, you got Thibodeau. <laughs> he's yelling at me. Then. I'm like, who the fuck do I got? Like, so I'm like, I'm, now it's like time for, like, they're starting to change. So he fucking pushes me. He's like, go, 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 get on the four check. So I jump on the ice. I fucking turn left and the puck is down there and I see a, I don't know if it was a D to D or a, a D skating behind the net and a fucking suicide pass to the, to the center. And I'm like, no, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going full speed. I'm like, this is not happening. Sure enough, the kid gets the puck. He's at the, in the middle of the circle. I'm at the blue line and he sees me. We have an eye contact and he looked like a deer in the headlight. He's not moving. All he has to do is throw a little shoulder fake and I would have failed because I haven't skated at that speed or level in like four years. Right. So, so, but he looks at me and he freezes and I, I absolutely crushed the kid. And next thing you know, the kid who made the pass comes to me and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, I'm not backing down. My adrenaline is fucking high because the coach was just yelling at me, right? I'm like, let's fucking go. So I dropped my gloves and, and it, I don't know. I think the fight was pretty good. I think the kid did good for himself. I, I, I was in control, but it was a good fight. And, uh, dude, it was my first shift in four years of like real pro hockey, five years. And, uh, my kid were my kids were in the stand. My you know I had kids that I coached that were there. I just thought it was fucking awesome, and I, I was so thankful for that moment because, like I said, it, it kind of like made gave me a one last you know one last show in my hometown where I started because that's the first place I played in my pro career was at Adirondack. So I just thought it was absolutely fucking awesome. So I was I was very thankful for that moment. And and the kid who I fought was actually, you know, a very good player. I watched him after and you know, it just ended up being awesome for me and loved it. Loved every minute of it. Well there you go. That's kind of a full circle moment right there from uh Full Circle, that's right. Yeah, well that's uh well there we go folks. There there's the uh, the journey of Pierre Luc Leblanc. That's a hell of a ride, oh, man. You, you, uh, thank you. That was co- that was cool, man. You, uh, you know, you made it to the, you made it to the show, and uh, you're in the record books, right? And uh, and you played in the American League, and you fought everybody, and you're like, go, like, well, people listening, right? Going down the fight card there. I mean, it's the who's who of the league at the time, and um, I, I'm going to say because you're not going to say it, I will say it, but. You know, as a fan and growing, watching you play, I mean, you keep calling yourself the number two and all that. You weren't a number two. You weren't. You were, uh, you were definitely a number one and, uh, you know, fighting those guys and you always put on a good show. And, uh, but, uh, just to move away from high, I know I've kept you for, jeez, I think we're going on like three hours here. So I won't keep you too much longer. <laughs> but for those wondering, what is Pierre Luc LeBlanc doing these days? Oh man, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, dude. 
Dan, it was it was awesome. I appreciate. I want to say thank you for for listening to me. For it's really uh, therapeutical. Like it brings me back, and I really appreciate you reaching out and 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 letting me tell my story because I love that there's people like you and your fans and people listening that actually care about you know what we did for a living. So. Um, before I go on to the next thing, thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. But um, my life now, man, I'm a, I'm a full-time father. I have two kids, um, and I, I I sell real estate in Albany, uh, upstate New York area. Um, and my real passion right now is uh, it's coaching kids, man. I I coach uh, a couple of teams. Um, you know, very young guys. My my little guy is eight, so I coach the six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, um, and uh, it, it really is my passion. I love giving back. Um, I'm a much better coach than I was a player. I understand how to connect with the kids, and and whenever this this connection happens, it it makes me feel like wow. Like I, I sleep better at night. I feel like I accomplished something. So um, that's what I do. That's what I really want to do. I want to build, you know, make hockey better in my community, in my area. I want to help kids fall in love with the game. I want to help parents understand the game. I want to help coach become better coaches. I want to become a better coach because I'm never satisfied. And uh, that's that's what I am now, man. So. If you ever want to buy a house or investment property in the Albany area, just let me know. I'll be here. <laughs> or, or if you ever come down and you want to play men's league hockey, I got a spot for you. Oh, there! I'm gonna say I know a guy. Yeah, the doors will open. Or maybe I don't hey, know. You maybe know, they'll you throw know me out the play, back door you know, if I throw your name around in some areas. I don't know, but buddy, here's the name who plays on my men's league. Okay, so 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 um, Matt Murley. Yeah, fucking spitting chiclet guy, right? Yeah. So Matt Murley plays on our men's league. So because his brother was our uh, equipment manager, he's a guy from Troy. He's our he's our he's a local hero here, and sometimes he fills in on our men's league. So there's there's some there's some good people, good hockey people around here. You'd be surprised. There you go, there you go. Well, it was funny because I was on a on a on another podcast called The Morning Skate. About two years ago, yeah. now, and the host was yeah. named Ked, and he said, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, he we had he goes we had uh, uh, LeBlond on our team for a tournament for a men's tournament. There's these oh what yeah. a beauty, yeah. He, oh, he loved oh, you, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's an absolute. That that was a good podcast too. Great fucking people. It's a small world, man. It is. It's a small world. You got you got you got to enjoy it. So." Again, thanks for uh, thanks for getting me on, man. I I had a blast. It was a good. It was worth every minute, and I appreciate you doing all the work you did because clearly you were prepared for it. So I appreciate you. Oh well, thank you very much, and thank you for taking the time out. I know it's super late there, so and you got shit going on tomorrow, so I'm gonna let you go. But um, hey, can I can I say you'll at some point you'll come back on the show again, buddy? Anytime. I'm, and I mean it. Like anytime, you honestly, you have no idea how much I appreciate this the stuff you guys do. So thank you. Well, thank you. And hey, I got those pictures. I got them on a memory card for you, and I'm going to send them out for you next week. So you'll dig them. So That's uh, awesome. All right, man. I'll let you go. But thank you, Pierre. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. Have a good night.
You too, buddy. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 